0: Jordan?
1: This is the Macabre Podcast Universe brought to you by The Matrix. That's right, everyone. We're in it. We are going to talk about it.
0: We are going to do both of those things, and we are in it. How does that sound?
1: Great. And why are we here?
0: Well, here's the thing. A little bit ago, we had decided. We were gonna do the Keanu Reeves conglomerate. That is,
1: no. Why do we do this podcast? Oh,
0: well, actually, it's quite simple. We exist.
1: Oh, go ahead. Sorry. We
0: exist to prove people wrong when they say that sequels are never better than the originals.
1: So it's not a only Keanu podcast.
0: No, if only. Yeah, but I. Right now,
1: we like to pretend it is.
0: Exactly, and right now it's like so. Earlier this year, we had done a Batman specific because there's enough series about batman that we were able to explore the batman character so
1: many people thought that it was just a batman comic just like how so many people thought it was just a i say comic yeah podcast like so many people thought it was a marvel podcast
0: yes and we had to say no 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 we do other things and we were following it up with the before trilogy and things like this yeah and they're
1: like what happened before marvel nothing to me
0: yeah, well, guess what? We're going way before Marvel, and we're doing something that came out in
1: 1999. Can you even believe it?
0: And the reason we're doing it is because, this is what I was going to say before, here's our series within our our series, the podcast. We're doing Keanu Reeves. We are covering the man, the myth, the legend. Mm-hmm. We know him. We love him. You know him. You love him. And if you don't, by the end of this episode, you will. Mm. And we, we talked about Bill and Ted the last couple of weeks. And then this week we're talking about one of the one of the biggest movies in American history.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: This is one of the temples. Yep. It's the Matrix. And I'm gonna give you all a forewarning that there are two sequels to this movie, and they are widely believed to be kind of bad. That is kind of the consensus. But over the next two weeks, I'm going to try and provide an alternative opinion to that because I really like the sequels to this movie. Okay. And I think you and I might Micah's get lo- Micah a little look hot at him up
1: there on his high horse.
0: But I think that the sequels are really good. I don't think they're bad. But I th- I still think we're going to be fighting about the
1: very questionable
0: minutia okay. of that. But yeah, the second one in particular kind of rules.
1: They fight on top of a semi. They do. How can that be worse than the first one? It's but good. But, of
0: course, that's not this episode. This episode, we're talking about something, you know, sometimes we cover movies, I'd say like The Dark Knight was one for me in recent memory where it was like, this is one of the big ones. Yeah. And we better make sure this is a jam-packed full of anything someone would need episode because everybody's talked about The Matrix before. So what do we have to bring to the equation? Yeah. So here we are and we're going to bring, we're going to bring it, we're going to bring it. Mm-hmm. We're going to bring it on. Yeah. And then we're going to bring it on again. And then we're going to bring it on all or nothing. Yep. <laughs> okay. So so
1: as we cover Matrix, we'll simultaneously be covering the bring it the bring on bring it on trilogy. <laughs> <series.
0: laughs> no, there's more than I three. I think there's more than three. Um. So, okay. Here's what I want to know from you, though. When did you first see?
1: This is one of those classes I almost said bring it on. <laughs> <laughs> well, bring it on. That was in high school and had a profound effect on me and my friends. And we wanted to learn breakdancing.
0: Well bring it on to the cheerleader movie. Oh, are you thinking thinking of Stomp the Yard or Step It Up?
1: Step it up. I think I've seen it bring it on though. Step up. But Matrix wise, yeah. Um I so this is one of those movies where I saw it so much on TV that I actually don't remember the first time I sat down and watched it. Yeah. Um so I I don't really have much of a memory. That unfortunately for me. Uh, the matrix is awesome it's undeniable there really is no question on that yeah but it has always felt like a series that i've kind of missed the boat on yeah it's not like for me growing up like i watched lord of the rings all the time i even watched star wars like the, like some big big ones and matrix i've never chosen to watch yeah so it's just always i've always kind of missed it i think in terms of fandom although i think it's great
0: sure yeah, I. this was a movie that I also totally missed. Um, because, you know, 1999, I'd have been six. A mm-hmm. little too young to to get into the Matrix.
1: Well, action-wise, no, even still. I mean, six, I don't know. I'm not a parent. But yeah. It does seem pretty young. But, like, uh, of course, the six are really not going to under, understand anything about, like, what's a simulation? Yeah. But I, I can see kids at an early age, like, really getting into it. Well,
0: I so I remember here. So I'm gonna we're gonna go down memory lane here for a little bit because I can tell you each time that I've seen this movie, I know I know it that in that way. So first time, well, my first experience is there was this kid at school and he would always come to school on a motorcycle with his dad. And you gotta tell me who his name. His first name was Austin. Or no, actually no, he didn't come on a motorcycle, (laughs) but I think he used to ride motorcycles maybe there's no motorcycles involved with austin i'm not sure but his um anyway
1: i have a dirt bike
0: was it a dirt bike
1: maybe i don't know okay
0: but anyway and i don't remember what year this was but i was definitely still like low elementary school and he was telling people like oh i saw the matrix the matrix is really cool and for some reason in my mind i you know Back then, I don't even think we had internet at our house and stuff. Yeah. So it's not like I was looking up movie news. And, you know, I'm like, I don't know, somewhere between six and ten years old. So I'm not super interested in, like, keeping up with pop culture. Yeah. (laughs) So my impression of this movie, before it came out, not seeing posters, not knowing anything about it for a long time, Mm -hmm. was that it was a BMX movie.
1: Oh, that's right. You told me this recently. That's (laughs) so funny. Just because of the person associated with it? I
0: think the person associated, and I think for some reason in my brain, I heard Matrix and I just filled it in as like BMX. Matrix, BMX. Like there's X's in
1: it, I guess. Yeah.
0: And so then through like middle school, once I finally saw posters and stuff, I was kinda like, I wonder how motorcycles play into this. Then you watch it and
1: you're like, I don't think anyone is riding a motorcycle in this movie.
0: But somehow, I made it until my senior year without seeing this movie.
1: Are you even really a dude if you haven't seen The Matrix?
0: That's how it feels. <laughs> but then I went to see Coldplay in 2000 and Ugh,
1: brag much?
0: 11? So actually, maybe it was my junior year. And I went up...
1: That was your senior year, you saw Coldplay.
0: Oh, it was? Okay. I went up with Levi Jans, mm-hmm. and we went and saw Coldplay. But before that, we went to his brother's apartment before the movie who lived in Portland and what before the show before the show yeah and we watched the matrix he showed me the matrix and um I was like
1: screaming the whole time well no I
0: was I was uh I was like oh yeah that's really really good but I think you know I had seen so much of what the matrix then brings on that it was less of like my mind is blown because I'd seen what it inspired?
1: Yeah, that makes um, sense. I and mean, maybe that's why it kind of feels like you've missed it.
0: I never said that.
1: You said something like that. Well, I'm. Let me. Oh get gosh. There. Okay. Keep talking for the <laughs> next ten minutes.
0: <laughs> but um, and I remember he, he just had this. There was just a great moment where we finished the movie, and you know he flies away on that last shot, and yeah, and yeah. Levi just turns to me and he goes, "Oh yeah," and he can fly now. <laughs> So anyway, um, that was the first time I saw it Then the second oh, okay. time I what's saw it okay, what's the second
1: time you saw it?
0: Was when I was house-sitting with the Millers
1: For the Millers
0: For the Millers And you came over and oh, we watched my it that was
1: first time, probably
0: That was probably your first, like, legit time
1: Yeah Because I think I think That's probably why we watched it
0: Yeah So then we watched that And then last year we were house-sitting for my parents And they were all on Netflix Yep And I was like I'm doing all three this weekend because I, I... I Blank it, Check
1: was covering it. No. I thought they were.
0: No, they covered it like years before I started listening it to Blank It had something check. to do with
1: Blank Check though.
0: I don't think so. No, I, I just, just wanted to watch it. my memory. Um, because for some reason, like the first time I watched it, I was like, this is a good movie, obviously. Then the second time I was like, "It it had grown a little bit and I'd been wanting to watch it again. So we watched it again. And then by the time we watched it last year, I was like, okay, I'm ready to become after this weekend like a matrix fan yeah you know what i mean so then we watched it and i was like oh yeah baby and then last night we watched it again so i've now seen it four times and i feel like i have a pretty good like i would say that this is great and i'm a fan and i like the matrix cool you know what i mean yeah so
1: congratulations that's really exciting for you
0: (laughs) Uh oh this is gonna be a long episode for for jordan i think Um, so yeah, that's my matrix. And then I'll talk about the sequels next time. I
1: have to say too, even though I hadn't seen it only on TV bits and pieces as a kid, I me, like every other kid was trying to recreate the Neo dodging the bullets. Anytime you're playing, it doesn't even really matter what game you're playing, like imaginary game with friends, cousins, siblings, someone's doing that at some point.
0: And it can be overstated how influential the bullet time is. Yeah. I mean the second series we ever covered on this spoofed the bullet time which is Shrek. Yeah. Or no that would have been the, the third series, series. that yeah. we ever covered on this podcast. So it's been countlessly spoofed and um what was weird though was watching this movie last night I when when it came into Trinity's room I was like where's Grandma Looney Tunes? <laughs> Okay. And then I was like, where's LeBron James? Okay,
1: let's, let's move past it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, um, this movie, should we talk about it now officially? Who made it?
1: Yes, let's go over the next three hours of notes you have.
0: Okay, so the Wachowskis wrote and directed this movie. Yes. Now, they, I, I didn't know this. This is kind of nuts to me. They wrote the script for a movie called Assassins uh-huh. that then gets directed by Richard Donner. Hmm. And when they present that script to Warner Brothers, Warner Brothers says, Cool, um, that sounds great. We'll buy your script and then like your next two movies. We we want your next two movies. Because
1: the script was that promising.
0: I guess, yeah. Yeah. And so then they make this movie called Bound,
1: Kay. which
0: does really well, especially Have you seen it? um I haven't. There uh there's a lot of I think there's a very famous sex scene in the movie. Okay. Um and so They kind of shake things up with that movie, and they get, um, like, critically, that movie especially did well. And so then they get ready to make The Matrix. Mm -hmm. And um, it's kind of nuts because in 96, the Wachowskis pitched the role of Neo to Will Smith. Did you know that? No. Will Smith was offered Neo. Oh, wait.
1: Because isn't, okay, what was most, he turned it down to do what instead?
0: He turned it down to do Wild Wild West.
1: Yeah, because I think, who was talking about this recently?
0: Well, what's funny is recently he uploaded a YouTube video, like okay. like last week, I think, and talked about why he turned it down and, and stuff.
1: But he, like, regretted it.
0: I think I, so. I think,
1: like, back then when, when it came out and that movie bombed. Yeah the movie that he was in.
0: Yeah. It bombed hard. And
1: then he, then he sees the matrix and he's like, crap, it could have been in that movie instead. I think, cause from what, I forget where I was hearing it, but people were talking about it and almost like he was the, the thing that he uploaded or, or was talking about is like, he looks back on that fondly now and understands like his career wouldn't, he wouldn't be where he's at today if he hadn't turned it down almost in a positive way. Like he, yeah, he, that's he, he looks way to look at, at, at it, it positively. He doesn't look at it as that's the role that got away because I mean, why should he? It's Will Smith. Right. That would be ridiculous. But apparently he looks back at it and he's like, Yeah, I should have done that movie.
0: Yeah. Well, I, I think now he's kinda like, Well, it's just too iconic with Keanu. Like it's great yeah. with Keanu. Yeah. Um, but it was it was gonna be him and then Val Kilmer as Morpheus.
1: Oh gosh, we dodged a bullet.
0: <laughs> hey, we got in bullet time and we dodged a bullet. Now, Will Smith as the lead in this movie, I don't think works nearly as well as Keanu. Because Will Smith is just such a cool mm-hmm. uh, not that Keanu's not cool, but he's so cool, it's like I don't know that I would buy him as like this hacker guy at the beginning of the movie who you
1: it, Well, I'll say this. Will Smith is more charismatic than Keanu to me. Keanu is like colder to me. It,
0: and I think that plays to his advantage. I think in this so movie. too,
1: especially with him feel like trying to figure it out the whole time. I don't know. Yeah, I yeah. just think it works better.
0: Yeah, it it would just be a very different movie. Yeah, and I think Val Kilmer as Morpheus would have been devastating.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I like, I like I like Val far... Kilmer
0: in the movies I've seen him in. But that wouldn't
1: been that would been on the heels of Batman. Yeah,
0: actually, it would have. Yeah, so
1: not a good era for Val Kilmer.
0: That's true. Potentially, potentially. Yeah. Um. So anyway, they they do that and um, they, so Warner Brothers is like, okay, go ahead with this movie. We're giving you, what? what's the budget? They give them a $65 million budget, which is way bigger than Bound. I mean, that's not a huge budget, but that's a, that's that's big. a big budget. So Warner Bros. is kind of like, okay, let's hope this goes well. And then um, to kind of ease their brain and visualize the movie more, the Wachowskis hire um, comic book writers Jeff Darrow and Steve Stroke, to draw 600 pages of storyboards so cool and I was watching the behind the scenes and it's nuts yeah. because a lot of the exact shots that they drew are in the movie
1: that's so cool so they basically hired people to make a graphic novel
0: yeah and it's it's crazy has it never
1: been released
0: Um it's had to oh, have been right it should that would be cool yeah Um, talk about a great coffee book table table coffee table book yeah yeah <laughs> But, um, you know, th- shots like when the helicopter, all those bullet casings are coming uh-huh. off of the helicopter and the cameras uh-huh. pointed up, that's like, they threw cool. that. And, and so they send that to Warner brothers too, to kind of be like, we really, we but have, we a, have vision. a
1: vision. Yeah.
0: And then, um, once they'd filmed a little bit, they send Warner brothers, like the first few minutes that have Trinity fighting the agents and stuff. And then Warner brothers is like, okay, yeah. we're not worried anymore. Yeah. So then they're they're good. So it
1: very smart of them.
0: This movie when I was watching it and imagining, you know, director's second movie and stuff like that, I'm thinking this is probably kind of a troubled production. Yeah. But pretty much
1: just a tight ship.
0: I think they had a, enough of a vision. Yep. And everything that it's like, yep, they got it. Yeah. Okay. So um a couple other people that were involved in this movie. We have cinematographer Bill Pope who we've actually talked about quite a bit on this, but just a reminder, Bill Pope is a Sam Raimi guy, a Wachowski's guy, and an Edgar Wright guy. Okay. So Bill Pope, one of the greats, and I uh, he did Shang-Chi as well, so we actually just talked about this him.
1: This movie's very green.
0: Very green. Um, now, I watched a video months ago, and I'm kind of forgetting it, but um, I think Bill Pope and someone else worked together to do, like, an ultra high-definition cut of this. hmm and it um, the the what was released was way less green, and in the video the person went into how like back in the day before digital things on film when things were released on DVD they'd get them from the th- theater and they have to like remix the color for DVD wow. and stuff and VHS and all that and in the process somewhere along the line like The Matrix got kind of like more greened up than it originally was when I mean, it, when it, it premiered in theaters. It was just,
1: that feels like a choice though. But I, uh, I, I know I'm yeah, not saying just, I don't believe that, but just because green is the palette as the color palette.
0: Well, so yes, yes. And I think you're, you're definitely right in what you're saying. But, um, and the, the, the on the video, he was showing back to back stuff, like uh-huh. of the lobby scene and stuff uh-huh. like that. And it was like Very significant. Different. Yeah. Um, and so, I believe it was Bill Pope and some of the other people were trying to make it like what happened in theaters in 1999. So it was a lot less, but it's still there. Yeah. And I was trying to notice because the version we were watching on HBO Max did say like 4K UHD. So I thought, oh, maybe this is the new version. But it looked as green as I remember the movie being. Mm -hmm. So it's just an interesting thing where like now when a movie comes out, you know, they can upload it to iTunes the same day if they want to, and it'll a look... A movie on iTunes? Yeah, like, you it it Microsoft will Apple, look, yeah. like, exactly the same as in the theaters. Yeah. As far as color balance. Yeah. Um. But, yeah, that's kind of interesting. But there's definitely, like, in the movie, when you're in the Matrix, it's really green. That That's still a choice that they made. Mm-hmm. And then um, when you're in the real world, it's much more blue, and it's cooler. Mm-hmm. So... um. Anyway, the music is by Don Davis, and we've also covered Don Davis way back in Jurassic Park 3. The, the more okay. we do this podcast, we won't have to talk about any of these people anymore. Yeah. Uh, the movie comes out June 11th, 1999. It makes $173 million in the U.S., and it makes $465 million worldwide.
1: Certified hit.
0: Certified huge hit. Um, And then... I have a lot of other stuff, but I think I think I'm going to kind of do it as we go along because there's there's a lot of or or at least I want to hear about the actors. OK. Yeah.
1: So. Um, we have Carrie Ann Moss, who plays Trinity um, early in her career. She did a lot of TV. Uh, one thing I noticed that was very interesting. She's in a TV show as a series regular. The name of the TV show, The Matrix.
0: Is it related to this? No. What?
1: Yeah, let me look up what it's about. Thirty. I don't know if it's gonna bring it up. Matrix. Steven Matrix is one of the underworld's foremost hitmen until his luck runs out and someone puts a contract out on him. Shot in the forehead by a twenty-two pistol, Matrix quote unquote dies and finds himself in quote unquote the city in between where he has shown the faces of all the men and women he's murdered in a sea of fire and the the premise is wh- that's half of it i'm not even going to read the whole thing how but it okay, is a show okay. called matrix wait so when did
0: this air 1993
1: 13 episodes
0: so just one season okay wow yeah that's that's crazy okay that's kind of r- sounds like an interesting show <laughs> it sort of does um, what a great poll.
1: Thank, Thank you. you,
0: Jordan. Wow. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, not only that, though, she's in shows like L.A. Law, Baywatch, and then movies like The Soft Kill, The Secret Life of Aldernon. Um, I think The Secret Life of Aldernon is the last one before Matrix. Okay. And then, of course, she's also in Memento, Suspect Zero, Disturbia, among many others. I wrote down stuff for Hugo Weaving, and then Mike reminded me, we've covered him a crap ton. We have, but we have not covered Joey Pantoliano. Yes, he is in. Uh, also, Memento. Yeah, and then, he's um.
0: What's his character name? It's so um, I can't
1: remember. I didn't look. Sorry,
0: <laughs> sorry. No, I'm just. I can see his his haircut in that movie, mm-hmm. and just the way he acts. He's so. I mean, he's usually scuzzy in his yeah. movies, but he's he's so scuzzy in that, and you keep thinking he is. Like, the guy that's doing everything wrong. Well, because it starts with him having done everything wrong, and then...
1: uh. going to spoil the movie. Well, Uh, I
0: hope you've seen it by now, people. But
1: guys, he's also Ralphie in The Sopranos. (laughs) And boy, is he. What a crazy... One of the craziest characters on that show. And talk about Scuzzy. And just downright one of the worst people. Yeah, and one of the people too, because you—that's the kind of show where you, at one point, you hate everybody, and you just hope everyone gets his, yeah, and by his a gun in the head, and then at some point something happens, or an like, egg
0: frying pan to the face, yeah.
1: <laughs> but then usually I flip and I'm like, oh, but I want them to not, I want them to learn the error of their ways. Ralphie never. No. It's just f that guy.
0: But what was wild, so spoiler alert for sopranos a 20 year old show when he finally got his yeah and tony is at his house and he kills him it was it was so brilliant because this guy was so despicable but it was so unsatisfying how he was murdered and for the reasons why he was murdered it was like that's why you killed him yeah just kind of on a whim not because he did all these other terrible things that was the moment when I finally felt on his side. When was he? When he was getting the life strangled out of him? I
1: didn't though. Wow. I, I understand about the. It was so out of the blue. I mean, we all knew that it was probably going to happen one yeah. way or the other, but it was very shocking how yeah. it happened. Yeah. And part of it was because Tony was not planning to do it. I
0: know, it, it was I a, know. it was a
1: crime of passion. <laughs> I know. But he he does it because you think he's it's about the horse, but it's about the the prostitute or the the stripper that he murdered it's but he kept saying it's all about her and he's th- and he's meaning the horse but he's really meaning her because remember like around that time too he was uh, reflecting a lot about his own daughter so he was that's right he, he the, the, him killing the stripper is like him just thinking about his own daughter who's not a stripper but just a girl yeah you know <laughs> we can get brutal. into that later brutal um but he's also in The Goonies, guys. And then he's oh, in yeah. Empire of the Sun, which I don't remember that.
0: I don't remember that either. And then
1: he's in Midnight Run and Bad Boys and a ton of other things. Several of those though, were pre-Matrix, which is yes. what I'm focusing on. Yeah. Um, Gloria Foster, who plays the Oracle. She is in so- Soul Food, Law and Order, Cosby Show, City of Hope. Marcus Chong, who plays Tank. Is in um kind of a crazy filmography, this guy. Really? He's on Little House on the Prairie. Prairie. Okay. Dallas. Okay. Acts of Life. Okay. But it's all like one episode and he was obviously a child uh-huh. when, that, when they came out. And then he's in American Heart, which have you seen the poster of that movie? No. That's the one with Jeff Bridges. And he's on the cover and he's shirtless and he's like super ripped. And it just looks so weird. You never—you gotta look it up right now.
0: American Heart is yeah. what it's called.
1: And then he's in the Vanishing Sun series, which I've never heard of, but um, it looks like a uh, martial arts series. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't it look like someone photoshopped their grandpa onto a a model's body?
0: It looks like <laughs> it looks like someone photoshopped Jeff Bridges' face onto Anthony Kiedis' body, the the lead singer for the Red Hot Chili Peppers.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, isn't it one of the weirdest covers?
0: I don't like that. Me neither. It's got Edward Furlong, too. The um, uh, John Connor from Terminator 2 is in it. The kid.
1: Cool. I had to think about who that was. Yeah. Um, okay. And then Matt Doran, who plays the young kid on the crew that I'm forgetting his name. Mouse?
0: Oh, I I don't actually something. remember ever hearing his thin, name, but I'm sure he's Thin Red he has. Line,
1: as well as Star Wars Episode Two.
0: I bet he's an alien in Star his Wars Episode Two. His name is
1: Elon Sleza-Bagano.
0: Yeah, he's an alien.
1: Um, and then Belinda McClory
0: Sleza-Bagano.
1: who plays Switch, who is uh has the really blonde hair. Yeah, um, a lot of TV. And then a few very steamy-looking movies. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) And then Anthony Ray Parker, who plays, I think it's Tank's brother. Yeah. Um, he's in the Marine, The Frighteners, as well as Euphoria. It's interesting. I feel like several of these actors—not several, but a good couple of them—don't have the biggest filmographies. Okay. For being in this movie. That being said, though, we're going to talk about one of the big guys. (laughs) Is Lawrence
0: Fishburne? Wait, let me. For the audience member, for the listener of our show, Jordan slammed down her phone and she grabbed the dictionary of film (laughs) to talk about Mr. Fishburne. So,
1: in the dictionary of film, it is written.
0: (laughs) uh, (laughs) It's like you're quoting the Bible.
1: (laughs) Fishburne has had a lot, has. Fishburne has had to play a lot of regulation black hoodlums and threats, but he is an actor who might get cast despite his color and might carry a big film. His Ike Turner and. What's Love Got to Do with It? With a tour de force founded on Fishburne's own reworking of a role that had been flattened in concept by Tina Turner's angry stopping. He kind of goes on about uh, Angela Bassett for a second. But uh, he was nominated, nominated for an Oscar in that movie that came out in 1993. Um, he, but Fishburne began very early. At age nine, he did several seasons on the TV soap opera One Life to Live. Um, and then he's in a movie, Cornbread, Earl and Me. And then at 14, he went on location to the Philippines to play the young soldier in Apocalypse Now, which I did not remember, and that's crazy.
0: Yeah, he's... I'm remembering now he's on the boat the, when they, when they kind head of, out like, there. Kind
1: of, that's what I see in my head, but I can't yeah. imagine him being 14. Yeah. Uh, Mike and I recently watched Nightmare on Elm Street 3, and he's in that movie. And he's... Yeah. I mean... Just watch that series. We, th- I just got to do a quick little side note.
0: Yes, please.
1: So th- growing up, it took me a very long time to finally watch Halloween and A Nightmare on Elm Street, uh-huh. including the Friday the 13th, which I have still not seen. Um, but getting older, it's just like, oh, there's so many of them. I don't want to start now. Of course, they're like classics, but they're old and they're probably going to be bad. Then I watched Halloween a couple of years ago and I'm like, okay, that is one of the best horror movies ever made. Yeah. But I don't, I have no interest in any of the other ones.
0: Yeah. That one was John Carpenter. The rest aren't. So they all must yeah, suck.
1: Right. Uh, as I push my glasses up the bridge of my <laughs> nose. And then we watched the um, new Halloween movie a couple years ago now. Yeah. And it was a fun movie.
0: I liked it a lot. And
1: then um, we heard that like Halloween two or three, the which one? Like they, Halloween they, three, they made a Halloween movie that has nothing to do with Michael Myers, and it's like, okay, hold on, that yeah. sounds interesting.
0: So and, and if if you don't know, so so please, yeah. um, so they made Halloween, then they made Halloween two, and Halloween two has Michael Myers in it. Yeah. Then when they made Halloween three, the studios thought, what if we did a Twilight Zone, esque yeah. thing where every single year, Halloween in October, there's going to be a new Halloween and it'll be a different scary movie different directors, different creative, whatever. But then Halloween 3, Season of the Witch, totally bombed, has since been a lot of people have said it's actually really good. Yeah. And I guess Halloween Kills, like, comments on it somehow. I think they, like, bring it into the series. Very fun. Um, And so then Halloween 4 is Halloween 4, The Return of Michael Myers, and then the rest of them. Don't go through all the movies. No, that's all I'm saying. That
1: being – and then – this year, I finally watched Nightmare on Elm Street, which I think we've already talked about on an episode that has nothing to do with that movie either. And it's wonderful. Watch the second movie. I couldn't believe a movie that bad could be that good. And then we watched the third movie recently, Ooh. and it was just like this movie is genuinely awesome. Okay, yeah. fine, Micah, we're taking the plunge. We're watching these series now, and it just feels so good.
0: Yeah, and I will say when we st- last October. When we were covering Insidious, we named a few series. We said we don't ever want to cover Saw, we don't ever want to co- cover Halloween, Friday the 13th or Nightmare on Elm Street. And I'm telling you what, next Halloween watching, you might be
1: getting a surprise. Yeah,
0: start watching Nightmare on Elm Street now cuz we're definitely covering it next year. Yeah,
1: Freddy just wants to play and, and we're going to play with him.
0: And I I think at least Halloween I think I'd be up for covering as well if we ever wanted to. So anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Back to this.
1: Lawrence Fishburne he, and, is oh, and also... Oh, Lawrence Fishburne
0: is in Nightmare on Elm Street 3. You probably said that, I but did. in case you didn't.
1: I did. It was fun <laughs> to see him in that. Um, and then he's also in School Days, King of New York, Class Action, uh, Boys in the Hood. I'm trying to see right before Matrix. Let me turn the page of this dictionary.
0: He's in Othello?
1: Yeah, he's in Othello. He is also in Miss Ever's Boys. Uh, event Horizon, always outnumbered, and that's the last one before the Matrix. Cool. Yep, that's it.
0: Okay, is that all of your cast of characters?
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs> Sorry, it was probably really loud.
0: Yeah. You, do you see the waveform? Yeah. <laughs> it's actually not bad though. Um, okay, so I'm I'm actually looking over my notes, and I think I can cover a couple more before okay. we dive. Um, one thing that's cool is production wise, there are grids all over the matrix. So like they built the sets so that like everything is built and is like a grid formation. So like the office buildings, like wall patterns look like grids. Okay. Like. Everything in the fake world, not everything, but most is things- It's designed that way? Is supposed to look like a machine kind of did it. Got it. And then, whereas when you go to the real world, it's much more like schlocked together. And, you know, it, instead of taking the approach of like, they have this pristine ship, it's all like, oh, this very much looks like people made this ship. Okay. There's smudges yeah. everywhere and okay. stuff like that. So that part is cool.
1: fight um, so needs to get back into being clunky, I think. Yeah, uh, it, it's it's like sci- a lot of sci-fi today and I to it this isn't really a big critique or anything, but a lot of it is imagining, oh, well, in the future we would be more efficient and cleaner. So everything is very sleek and all that stuff. And that that totally makes sense. Sometimes it's even super interesting, uh-huh. the imagination behind it. But I just love that this movie is so clunky, especially, yeah. I think, because of that juxtaposing between machine and human.
0: Yeah, it's good. It's. Great. Mm. I mean, the the amount of world building that is not spoken of in this movie is incredible.
1: Like, I hope when we see Dune, but we <sighs> have seen it uh, upon this recording. Well,
0: Yeah, we're only days away out. from seeing it right now. But
1: since that is set in a world, in another dimension, world, whatever, I hope it's a little clunky.
0: Yeah, I think it will be. Yeah. Um. So another thing that the Wachowskis did is they made sure all of the actors understood and knew the philosophy of the matrix. Mm-hmm. And even to the point of like Keanu Reeves had to read, um, that book, some simulacrum and, um, simulation before he got Girl, the script.
1: So riveting.
0: So, um, and then our boy, Yoon Woo Ping did the choreography for this movie.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And, I'm going to read a little bit on this, too. Um, Yoon was optimistic when they were getting ready to get the actors training and stuff, but then began to worry when he realized how unfit the actors were. Yoon let their body style develop and then worked with each actor's strength. He built on Reeve's diligence, Fishburne's resilience, Weaving's precision, and Moss's feminine grace. Yoon designed Moss's moves to suit her deafness and lightness. Prior to the pre-production, it's the wind. Prior to the pre-production, Reeves underwent a two-level fusion of his cervical neck spine due to spinal cord compression from a herniated disc. What? (laughs) He was still recovering by the time of pre-production, but he insisted on training, so Yoon let him practice punches and lighter moves. Reeves trained hard and even requested training on days off. However, the surgery still made him unable to kick for two out of four months of training. As a result, Reeves did not kick much in the film. Weaving had to undergo hip surgery after he sustained an injury during what? the training process. Those were two separate things. Yeah. But, so when you look up the training stuff, most of the time Keanu Reeves has a neck, neck brace. On? Uh, like the foam ones.
1: Sorry, did you say that it happened from another movie? Or is um, it just a thing that happened? I think it's a
0: thing that yeah, happened.
1: Yeah, because yeah, yeah, okay. And so
0: he had to get this surgery, and he he said that he was like he was like starting to go like paralyzed in his legs. Yeah,
1: I actually uh, have a, it's like a fourth cousin of mine uh-huh. that I don't know very well, but she her spine is like fused, and wow. she, much of her life has been I think even especially in the last couple of years, crazy uh, risky surgeries. Really, but she would probably go paralyzed. I think if she didn't get them. Just a crazy thing that you can be born with.
0: Yeah, that's wild. It, it's it's just wild. Be- also, like in this movie, um, I would never have guessed that he was like struggling with an injury while they yeah. were getting ready and stuff because he just looks like in the zone the whole well, time. Well, I think
1: that speaks to the co- the coordination is just so good that they they play to yeah. the strengths to mask to mask the weaknesses.
0: Yeah. Um. I mean, Wu Ping's the best. Yeah. Right yeah can we all agree he's the best we love this guy by the way love just looking at videos of him like being interviewed and stuff he he just rules yeah um but uh yeah so so another thing about that that i want to key into because we're exploring keanu is this man he kind of has that tom cruise kind of thing in him it's, it's different. I don't think he's quite as crazy as Tom Cruise, mm-hmm. but he locks into like, okay, I'm giving everything possible to this. Yeah. And so, okay, I have I have a fused spine and had to go undergo surgery, but I can still practice punches? Perfect. Let's practice on Sundays when we're supposed to have days off. Yeah. Uh, like, he's always committed, and I think that in a movie like this, it really shows, and mm-hmm. it's crazy, like watching that dojo scene and knowing for the most part like that is just Lawrence Fishburne and Keanu Reeves fighting and yeah. it looks fast, it looks intense, and it looks professional. Yeah. And they're just doing it. Um and I think that's another reason this movie is a cut above a lot of other movies. Yeah. Because it just has that definable quality to it. It's tactile. Right. Um but let's let's get into the movie now. So um Or do you want to take a break? Let's take a break. Well, here we are, folks. It's the Christmas season, and that means I'm putting on another Christmas show on my YouTube, much like I did last year. This year, it's December 11th, 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, will be the premiere of Christmas at the Movies. Five of the songs are going to be available for everyone, and five of the songs are only going to be available to patrons of any tier. And we have some wonderful guests this year. We got Jacob and Sherea Summers, Brett Levick, Troy Thompson, Josiah Oliveira, Johnny Gerson, Evan Coons, Noah Cunningham, Aaron Fagan, Richard Bokish, Steven Nance, Lauren Panter, Anna Marcoux, Reed Campbell, Chris Heisner, Jeremy Eden and his puppets. And also, of course, I'll be there. So mark your calendar, be there at the premiere, December 11th, 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Be there in the comments. Go to patreon.com m-i-c-a-h-m-c-c-a-w. Get the entire concert. It is, I'm, I can tell you right now, I'm still editing it, but it is unbelievably cool, and I think we topped last year. So get ready for Christmas at the Movies. Okay, so the movie begins, and we have it's it thrusts us right into the Matrix Mm -hmm. because we're seeing the falling code, Mm -hmm. the iconic green falling code, Mm -hmm. and um, we're hearing voices. We hear Joey, we hear Trinity, maybe we hear um, Morpheus. I don't remember for sure, but then it's
1: about like, do you really think he's the one?
0: Right. Yes so we're already setting the stage mm-hmm. already in this in the first like seconds they're doing better than most movies at world building mm-hmm. and then the police are doing this raid into this house and they are they break into a door it's 303 for trinity i'm assuming those numbers are intentional oh. um and it's 303 they break in and trinity Starts fighting these cops, yeah. And it's just so stylish. She's wearing all leather. She is like,
1: is she she. So she's been going into the Matrix trying to tra- help track down the the one, right? Like that's why she's there in yeah. this moment.
0: Yeah, because okay. later she's gonna contact Neo in a couple uh-huh. of scenes. Uh huh. And um, it's it's cool because um, the other thing is, apparently Carrie Ann Moss did all of her own um, uh, wire work.
1: That's impressive, cause
0: it seems looks tough,
1: complicated.
0: But um, what stinks though is at the end in the lobby when she like runs up the wall. She had hurt herself, and apparently she was devastated that she was not able to perform that stunt.
1: Oh, that's but sucks. she
0: literally couldn't. Yeah. Um. But so so you know we have that great scene where she jumps into the air
1: mm-hmm. and it's
0: like this crouching.
1: It's like kn- Karate Kid style.
0: Y- yeah, that's it. And she kicks the guy right.
1: I think so. But she also runs up the walls. They're shooting bullets at her. Yeah. Which, I mean, I can only imagine being I in mean, a theater and watching that. And it's like, I've never seen that before in a movie.
0: I know. and Scene one. What what kind of this time, I think more than any other time when I was watching it, I was really, really jealous of people seeing this in theaters.
1: I know. Yeah, I know. Me too.
0: Because this time around, even though we have a decent size CD, we have a nice little setup at home. The movie felt small. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I was like, this is just not a movie you watch at home. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you do. That's what you have to do. But I was like, this is supposed to be in theaters. Well, that's theaters. the whole of
1: me feeling missed out on yeah. this movie.
0: Well, I, I um, Karen Hahn, who I follow on Letterboxd, mm-hmm. I was looking at her little reviews of the movie, and one of the times she watched it, she she noted that it was a 35-millimeter screening. Oh, and I wow. was just like, See that's why I would want to live in New York or LA so that yeah. you could have those experiences. Yeah. With movies and just like you don't even have to keep up with new movies. You could just watch all these old movies and experience them in a way you've never seen before. Right. But anyway, so the she's running and she breaks out, she runs all over the rooftops and Already, you know, we're seeing things that are like, okay, this person is not from our world. Yeah. Soon enough, we'll find out that actually... Did you
1: ever watch a trailer for this?
0: Um, I mean, I have since. I don't know about like when I first yeah, saw just, a trailer. I don't
1: know if I've ever seen a trailer for this movie. So I'm just curious what they showed, uh, how much they showed. Because in watching this movie this last time and just thinking like, you see so many fa- fantastical things happen. Before yeah. anything's explained to you. And I just wonder what people thought. Yeah. Like, like, is, does she just have a super... Or do a couple people in this world have superpowers? Is it kind of like a superhero movie?
0: Well, okay, so it, funny that you brought that up. I was looking at the legacy of this movie. Yeah. And after looking through it and thinking about it, I went, oh my gosh, this is so right. So this movie comes out in 1999. Yeah. Now, we've had a couple of superhero movies, like Blade. Mm-hmm. Um, but we really have not had... Like, Blade is fairly popular, but that's Mm. maybe kind of it. I'm trying to... I mean, oh, we have the Batman movies, of course. But um, those are kind of their own weird template. Mm -hmm. But um, a lot of people have kind of argued that this movie kind of, funny enough, sets like the superhero template that will then be employed and used in movies for the next 20-plus years. That's
1: pretty interesting.
0: Because after seeing this movie... Um, they, they, they do X-Men. Yeah. Spider-Man's right around the corner. And a lot of those movies have that similar thing where it's like extraordinary powers. This one important person has to do this one thing. And it's just funny because now it's kind of the, it's pretty formulaic.
1: almost every movie that comes out, how it feels.
0: Right. But it's like, yeah, I guess one of them had to be the one that started it.
1: It's just so crazy that this movie comes out of nowhere and it's like this. I just feel like, and and this is just some feeling I'm having in this moment that that doesn't happen very often anymore.
0: Yeah, and like, it like connects like, with the zeitgeist and everything. Yeah, and it
1: like reminds me of Unbreakable. How that movie just a lot of M Night movies actually, but it, they just come out of nowhere mm-hmm. and they're just about really out there things. Yeah, and there's there's absolutely no source material for for it. Yeah, is like. I just feel like so much most of what we see today are adaptations of something, yeah, which makes sense because it was successful first somewhere else. Some like it, it, it's a good business decision to adapt it, although it doesn't always work.
0: Yes, of course. But um,
1: just doesn't. It feels like it doesn't happen as often unless it's a drama that someone just wrote.
0: Well, I think um, the there, there might be some in between, but I feel like the last time it really, really happened where, like, all of culture was captured by just an original idea and everyone was like, this is amazing and we love it, would probably be Get Out. I, I Yeah,
1: I'm actually thinking Split. I think Get Out is a really good one as well. Horror, though, is a kind of its own thing, right. too, I See think. our last I, couple of but series. But I know that one, I think people would even classify it more as a psychological thriller more mm-hmm. than horror. So that is good. That's a good one, too. But I'm thinking yeah. Split, but Split is um, based on Unbreakable. But I think right. it still counts in that but category. It,
0: d- it doesn't even have, like... Because, you know, to be alive in the 70s, in 77, I believe, when Star Wars came out, it's like yeah. that that's a moment when like all of film changes yeah, and it spurs this fan base that now will argue about like whether certain lightsabers scientifically make sense. I know, you know, and I'm not getting into the right or wrongs of that, but I think matrix like you're saying is one of those series where it's just original and it has this insane fan base. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And, and it's, you know, even you think Lord of the Rings. Well, those are books.
1: Harry Potter books. Those
0: books. Because, um, yeah, I guess Get Out, like, captured everyone, but it's not like, oh, when are they going to come out with the next, like, Get Out tour? Yeah, I guess
1: it is what I'm trying to think of as a, um, a made-up-a-world. Yeah. And the the only thing I can think of at this time is um, the Unbreakable stuff. And that... That's probably because I watched it not that long ago, though. Yeah.
0: And th- those, I mean, but remember when Unbreakable came out, it didn't do that well.
1: No, I know. So that, I, it's, but, but still I that's like. I know. And it's just.
0: <laughs> we covered it earlier this year. So go back and listen. I know. I'll probably
1: be thinking about this. And I probably won't think about it for much longer after <laughs> we're done recording this, <laughs> but I'm just trying to think of movies. I, I just feel like this doesn't happen as often anymore. and And not this, I don't even know if it was happening at the time. That's what makes it so exciting.
0: Yeah, I think it's. I think it's rare we that it happens at it. all.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I mean, I'm th- if anything, I should be thankful for that.
0: Yeah, because I mean, I mean, if we if we were to take a list of like all the successful franchises right. and their high points and stuff like that, I, I I don't know how many of them would be like they originated in this movie form.
1: Right, 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 right.
0: I mean, Indiana Jones, but that's really old too.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, Star Wars. And then a lot, you know, there's a lot of adaptions of others, adaptations of other things Mm -hmm. that. Anyway, uh, yeah, I I think you're stressing how crazy it is that we're just like thrown into this world and it just instantly connects with everybody.
1: Yeah. And I'm also now realizing, too, that people aren't probably thinking so much about superheroes at the first time they're seeing this. Maybe they are, but. I don't think so. But because they did we weren't oversaturated with superheroes yet. So I. If anything, people are, I wonder if it was just like, no one's even asking questions yet because they're just letting the movie take them. Yeah. When, and and this movie, you know, most of its exposition Uh delivered very well. Yeah. But I feel like if this movie came out today, it would be so heavy handed, but like, it would be so easy to do it in a boring way. Yeah. And it is going to come out today. Superheroes.
0: Because of Matrix Resurrection, yeah, but because we
1: have the other three, I don't. Th- I would be surprised if they made it so exposition heavy. I mean, it's going to be because yeah. that's the nature of these movies. Yeah. But I think, um, yeah,
0: I think that Matrix Four is going to be as exposition heavy as this movie, yeah. at least. And because they'll probably they have to be, be well, like,
1: because they're good at doing it.
0: Right, they have to say like, okay, we finished the series, but we're starting it again. Why?
1: Yeah, right.
0: And they have to convince us that it wasn't because the Wachowskis' last several movies have bombed.
1: That's oh, what. That's what they. I have. didn't even think about that. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And then we, you know, one of that's.
1: Oh, that makes me kind of nervous.
0: I think um, Lily, I believe, is not a part of the movie at all. Who's Lily? That's one of the Wachowskis. Oh,
1: sorry, sorry, sorry. So
0: there's Lily oh, and Lana. But
1: didn't they write it together?
0: No. So I believe I believe it's Lana. What's the story behind it's that? two. Two L's and two syllables, so I I may be mixing them up. We'll clear it up yeah. when we get to um, Matrix re- Resurrections. But one of them, I think, I'm pretty sure it's Lily, directed and wrote it all. And the other one, Lana, was like, I don't want to be a part of it. There's nothing else to say. <gasps>
1: I know. Oh, whoa, that's scary, man. And they've <laughs> never done
0: a project I know apart that, from that. I'm remembering that now. Yeah.
1: Crap is all I have to say about that.
0: I'm no, but it's gonna be good. It's gonna be good. I haven't
1: seen the trailer. The trailer
0: though. is so I'm good I'm very confused
1: by what I have seen of it, but we're here to talk about the first movie. Yes,
0: we are. So tr- they're
1: superheroes.
0: <laughs> it kinda I mean it ends with Neo flying away.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> so
0: um. Yeah. So there is an argument to be made for this being kind of the fulcrum point for the superhero era, even though it's not even today classified as a superhero movie. Yeah. Kind of crazy. Yeah. So, um, Trinity runs off. She she jumps over a building.
1: And the um the uh, the AI person goes after. It, it does the same thing.
0: Yeah. The dude. Yeah. With the Agent Agent Smith. Thank you. Is following them. Yeah. And uh jumps in the air and it's just kind of what's, like what's crazy what too, is crazy happening is
1: they do such a good job of it of they they take the time to cut back to the police that are also in pursuit yep. and they're like how can they do that that's
0: uh, we're so alike jordan i wrote <laughs> i wrote cop when she jumps that's impossible <laughs> because you know that's something that gets thrown away a lot is is showing
1: because the poli- like, we're, we're the, they're the audience in this moment. Yeah. Like they're us. And they're...
0: But for them to be amazed, it, yeah. it brings the amazement up.
1: And it brings us into it, I think.
0: Yeah. Because sometimes in movies, a lot of superhero movies, in fact, they just kind of do stuff and there's no reactions to what they're doing. And sometimes we need that to yeah. really hit home. Like that was amazing what they just did.
1: Yeah.
0: And um, so then she runs to a telephone booth... And she's getting a call and, you know, it's very frantic. The music rules.
1: And she's told to go to this telephone booth. Like she's, well, all she is is given an address. Yeah. But she knows what is there. And And then Agent
0: Smith like gets in a car. Yeah. And he's chasing, and he can like turn into other people. So you're you're seeing all these things where you're like, this is insane. And the car drives into the telephone booth she's at and right before she disappears Mm -hmm. and the phone goes slack. Mm-hmm. She puts well, her hand it, up to it the ram- telephone,
1: rams into the ho- the right.
0: I'm booth, thinking but. of the second time that it happens. Second
1: Keanu series with a phone booth.
0: We <laughs> yep. can't
1: neglect to say that. I there's got to be there's got to be one in John, John, John Wick that we're forgetting. There's got to be. It's got to be like a portal into the like like a door that gets him into the place where the all the assassins live. Yeah. yeah, or hang out.
0: So um, then she goes away, and then we cut to Neo. Mm-hmm. Um, his name is Thomas. His like world. His, his yeah, Thomas. An- Anderson. Thomas Anderson. Um, Mr. Anderson, <laughs> and he is on his computer. He has a quintessential '90s hacker room. I uh-huh. mean, this is like the template uh-huh. of the hacker room.
1: Messy. There's probably a cup of noodles lying around. A couple of them lying around somewhere. Yes, there uh, are. Unmade bed. Unkept hair. <laughs> probably in need of some laundry being done but he's asleep at the computer. Yes. And on the computer it says wake up Neo.
0: Yeah. Which is Does it
1: say do they call him Neo? No. I think they just say wake up.
0: Yeah, which is, you know, both metaphorical and literal, which is cool, cuz they're waking him up from oh, the, yeah, yeah. the the world he thinks he lives in. Yeah. And so then he has this conversation with someone online.
1: They tell them, well basically to follow the rabbit the white well, rabbit. Oh, white
0: rabbit, which yeah. is here's the other cool thing is wh- you know, we talk about this so much on, like how a a a lot of really great stories, you know, if you're not familiar with what they're based on and stuff, um you you just go, "Oh wow, that's insane that someone made this up." Mm-hmm. But then you watch this movie and then you start seeing like, "Oh, there's all this kung fu stuff. Mm-hmm. There's um all a lot these of action commentary templates
1: on nihilism and simulation like yeah. how everything means nothing and then, well, and
0: and then this this is so then but uh, at its core this is an Alice in Wonderland story they're telling yeah. us right off the bat and
1: this is crazy man so when <laughs> I, when crazy, I was in college man. my freshman year of college I took this class just about Alice in Wonderland and we read yeah. Alice in Wonderland and through the looking glass and um the, the it was the best class the professor was so great and yeah, so the at the end of the the term, we had to write a paper about Alice Le- in Wonderland, and it could be about literally anything. Uh huh. And that was the, actually the only work we did for that class, so wow. it all was hinged on the paper. But the pr- it was one of those things where it's like, you participate, like everyone's passing if you get the paper done. Right. Um.
0: It's more about like interpretation and just
1: and just participating in conversation yeah. discussion during class, but um he was giving a lot of ex- like ideas of what it could be about. And one of them was like, and people have done parallelisms between Alice in Wonderland and the matrix. And I'm like, what the F is he talking about? Cause at yeah. that time I'd only like seen it on TV. Yeah. And I'm like this weird movie with that canoe guy. Oh, right. Cause you
0: didn't know his name. <laughs> um, you knew it by then though, right? I don't
1: think so. Really? I don't, well, maybe, Whoa. I don't know. But uh, at then, I was just like, that guy sucks. Yeah. Um, but I just could not understand that at all Uh mostly because i didn't know anything about the matrix
0: and then when you watch it you're like oh he literally follows a rabbit down (laughs) the yeah
1: i thought that it was just like there's some like
0: someone's reaching for straws or reddit
1: uh, at one point in time these really cool parallels that actually do make sense yeah which is fun stuff but it is like oh no they uh they're pretty obvious about it yeah i love that
0: yeah um and and what's something I was thinking about the other day? So so he gets a knock on the door, and they're friends, and they're like, "Did you you know give a? Did you bring the stuff?" So I, I don't what know what are they what buying the from him. Is. I
1: already forgot.
0: I don't think it really matters.
1: I um, think I always thought it was like some VR experience. Oh, almost like, and I might be wrong, but I think the only reason I think that is because they 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 live in this existence, which seems to be a, a kind of like a normal world, but uh-huh. not. Like kind of a boring world too, yeah. Where people want distractions, and that's what he's that's what he supplies to people, which is just ironic yeah. because this whole thing is a distraction from what's really going I, on.
0: Even if that's not what he does, I like that, and let's say he does, okay, because <laughs> that's cool. Um, but something I wanted to point out. So he he hides these discs in this book called "Um, Simulacra and Simulation," mm-hmm. and. I was going to go really deep into the book and then I looked at the note I had and I was like, I don't, I, I can't, I can't.
1: What's it about? At least? But
0: from what I can tell, it is, and I, I'm basically going to distill something that was already distilled. So I might not even be close, but it's kind of this idea that like, say you're a Christian and you believe that Jesus died on the cross and you have, and we're going to be talking a lot about Jesus because this is Matrix, um, and... If you make like an image of the crucifix, like at a, there's like a point where the, the more images you make, the more you try to define God, or your experience of the cross, the less that you are um, and I'm not saying whether I agree or disagree with this, but um, the less power um, God has, and the more power is given to that object. In, oh, in you shouldn't say of, that
1: about Catholicism.
0: Yes, yeah. So it's it's kind of like you're making a copy of a copy of a copy, and at a certain point, like the the essence of the thing that you mm-hmm. love or believe in becomes not what it was mm-hmm. because of the malicra and simulation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, that's my understanding so, of it. I mean, I obviously have to read the book to really get it.
1: Have fun. But, because uh, when he opens the book, too, it's on the chapter on nihilism. And I bet that's a very fun read.
0: Well, and what I wanted to point out about that. So the book is on nihilism. Like, the the when he opens the book, it's on the chapter nihilism, mm-hmm. what you just said. Now, Neo, when he begins this journey, he is not a believer. He is true. nihilistic. He doesn't believe anything. And then throughout the movie, he comes to believe. He comes to faith, as you could say. So this book literally... Uh, starts him on his character's journey and you could see literally like, okay, he's nihilistic mm-hmm. and he will gain faith by the end of this movie. Yeah, he's
1: at a point where nothing matters.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's cool.
1: Yeah, that's great too <laughs> because they... The, so like, yeah, that's where he starts but he is a character of hope because it, yes. th- because they know that he's searching for an answer but it's almost like, I'm searching for this answer in vain because I know it's not there. And then it is given to him because of prophecy and all that stuff. Yes, but um, he yeah he he gives the guy the thing, and then they convince him to go out with them because the the, the girl has a white rabbit tattoo on. Yeah, tattoo, period. Um, no,
0: before you yeah before you go through, I know I'm diving deep, but um, I I found a little section that I think will sum up that book a little bit better. So the author claims. That our current society has replaced all reality and meaning with symbols and signs, and that human experience is a simulation of reality. Moreover, these simulacra are not merely mediations of reality, nor even deceptive mediations of reality. They are not based in a reality, nor do they hide a reality. They simply hide that nothing like reality is relevant to our current understanding of our lives.
1: That is a bummer.
0: (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's certainly a it's in- very interesting. incredibly interesting idea, um, and I think on a religious level, I mean, even even in like non-denominational churches and stuff, there there can be something where it's like we're worried about, like someone might be worried about something that has nothing to do with mm-hmm. scripture or, or or Christ's teachings, and that is what they're focusing on, mm-hmm. and so they've lost like the reality of what.
1: That is, and on a more secular level, I just think of like social media, like how those things have defined reality yeah. like like they are symbols that define <laughs> oh reality. oh my gosh,
0: I just reeled a little bit, and it is
1: one of those like cliche things where it's like it's not none of it's real, and none of it is real, but we all yeah. buy into it anyway, yeah, and like i all spend too much time on it anyway,
0: yeah, this, this
1: podcast w- is a sim is not a reality
0: <laughs> well it 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 there yeah, I mean. This movie is is very um, very prophetic uh-huh. in how it deals with our relationship with machines and uh, technology. Because, yeah, that that whole idea, even, even from my own experience, you know, it's like, oh, I want to post a picture on Instagram. You take a picture, you pose for the picture, or you, you know, you do all these things to where it's like, well, that doesn't repre- actually represent me as a person. It represents what I want people to perceive me as. Yep. So there's no reality involved yep. in that. I'm going to delete this Instagram <laughs> <laughs> right now. I bet
1: this movie still F's up people, but I bet yeah. especially in 1999. Oh yeah. This, this, well, this is
0: like, you don't have, you don't necessarily have a computer in your home. And well, no, you probably have a computer in your home. And probably
1: 1999. not. People aren't on it as often as we are today. No, a lot of people no. probably still don't even have email at this point. Well, they probably, a lot of people probably do. You've got mails already out at this point. <laughs> I think, um,
0: yeah that's that's nuts yeah that that's hey this movie's still impacting me just now yeah i mean that's the that's interesting um
1: i just when we were watching this movie i kept being like this is what people are in the movie like right now and i would scream wait say that again when you and i are watching the movie uh-huh. and we would get to a certain point like that like an epiphany moment i would say this is what people in the movie theater at the time oh. were doing <laughs> yeah, and yeah. i would scream
0: yeah it's very funny um now before we get away from these people who are outside his door, I just want to point out that the guy says to Neo, he says um you're my savior, man, my own personal Jesus Christ, which is oh, foreshadowing yeah. the entire series. Yeah. Because Neo is the one. Yeah. And then um he also says you know, Neo's like, "Man, have you ever like like not sure if you're awake or not, and mm-hmm. and he says he says you need to unplug, man. Mm-hmm. So again, foreshadowing that he need he will unplug from the Matrix.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: This is a good movie. Um, so we
1: and don't the one of them say like that's you're sounding like you're on a drug. Yeah, and it it's just funny that and they say it almost in a way like right on, dude. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. like you're kind of cool, and it's like people. In a simulation, taking drugs to distract them from a reality that's not even real.
0: Oh, my gosh, yeah. Crazy. (laughs) So um, then he meets Trinity in the bar where they play Rob Zombie's Dragula. Gotta love it. And um, then we go to him at work.
1: What does she tell him?
0: I don't remember what she tells him off the top of my head. Oh, so you're just going
1: to pretend like...
0: Yeah, I was going to try and get away with it, but you've nailed me to the
1: wall. Well, he's there just hanging out doing nothing as if just like waiting for something to happen. And that's when Trinity shows up and she tells him pretty much <laughs> uh I know how you feel. I know what you're looking for because I was right. looking for it too. Yes. And she she said you want to know the you want to know what the matrix is, I think. She said something yeah. like that. And he's like, "What's the matrix?"
0: And then she says something about Morpheus, who who we've seen in like article clippings that he's like this wanted person. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's like, "Yeah, I know Major Morpheus, basically." Mm-hmm. Um, now another thing for those of you who don't know, Morpheus is the Dream Lord in in um, whatever whoever made up Morpheus. And again, all these it's things Morphe- are very symbolic. When
1: was Morpheus created? I don't know. The concept of uh, that.
0: I don't know. Um, I've
1: never thought about that before. I
0: know the, the character of Sandman, like I know, but DC I Comics. I wonder if it's
1: something but, else.
0: But yeah, I, I don't... Like th- if
1: it's a mythology somewhere.
0: That's I think it is. That's cool. Um,
1: it's great to have just finished Sandman and watch this.
0: I know. It kind of has a different look to it once, once after reading Neil Gaiman's Sandman. For those who enjoy graphic novels... That's a good one.
1: Big recommend. I put it off for way too long.
0: Yeah. But maybe we couldn't have handled it if we read it earlier. I guess. Um, so then Neo is getting talked to at work by his boss who's like, you think you... Because he's late. Yeah. You think you are by a different set of rules, yada, yada, yada. He's working at like a
1: cubicle. It looks He works awful. at some software company. Yeah, And it's like you have to be on a team. You have to show up here and be ready to be a part of a team. It's all about like being a part of something that's bigger than himself. And if you can't do that, then you can't be here.
0: Yeah. And 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 he's about to be part of something that's bigger than himself.
1: Yeah. And it's interesting because like he, so, you know, it's that he's made to be kind of like a slacker Uh in a way. And it is, it's just very interesting. It's like he he is that way because he, it's almost like, he knows his day-to-day doesn't mean anything. Uh-huh. And so he has no desire or encouragement or motivation to do anything about it. And it doesn't yeah. show any, like, worth e- ethic in that way. But it seems like when he's a hacker, that is when he is throwing himself into something because yeah. he thinks that there is something there.
0: Yeah, definitely. That's... it. It's crazy once you've seen the movie several times how, like, every... Every scene is like screaming at you what's going to happen, mm-hmm. it, either later in the series or in this movie. There, mm-hmm. it's just all like, it's just such an expertly written script. Um, And so then he gets a package from FedEx, signs it, and he gets a phone call. And by the way, the shot, when it sees him look at his phone, rules, iconic. And he grabs the phone, and it's Morpheus. And he's saying, you know, here's what you need to do. You need to. They're here
1: for you, and he looks above his cubicle, and Mr. Agent Smith and the other Agent Smiths kind of are yeah. there.
0: And then he's like, "Okay, in three, two, in in three seconds, you need to run across your hallway to the other cubicle. Three, two, one, and then like the agent will come around the yeah. corner and miss him, which is very end of Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, mm-hmm. where they're sending messages it to all themselves comes together,
1: guys. <laughs> I know,
0: and um. Then basically Morpheus navigates him to a window mm-hmm. and Neo gets out on the window.
1: He needs to get to a scaffolding.
0: Yeah. And and I just love this because we're thinking, we've already seen some incredible things in the movie. So we're thinking he's going to, you know, jump off the building or he's going to do something crazy. And then he just says like, I can't do this and mm-hmm. goes back inside and gets captured.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> it's just like not what you're expecting at all. Mm-mm. Um and was well,
1: interesting because he gets this phone call from a on a cell phone that was delivered to him that he's never from a person he's never heard of before, uh-huh. um, and telling him to do these things. And it seems like this person is guiding him front to safety, but it is that lack of faith moment where he is yeah, like, "Yeah, no, this other way is the only way out."
0: Like he he needed to literally take a leap of faith, and mm-hmm. he wasn't willing to do that. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so he's being interrogated by. <laughs> yeah. Agent Smith, um, they've got a big file on him.
0: Yeah, they have a big file, and he has the great line where he, where they're like, "So you're going to tell us all the question answers we need to hear?" And he goes, "How about I give you the finger, and you give me my phone call?"
1: And gotta say, Keanu gives a strong finger,
0: very strong finger. Yeah, very sausage. He's in the sausage zone on the finger on this. No, one.
1: it like overextends. Yeah, it's nuts. We're yeah. flipping <laughs> each other off right now. <laughs>
0: Do we have to mark explicit for that on this episode? <laughs> um so um
1: and so he he says something about well, why does he take his mouth away? I can't remember. Well, because
0: he's like he's like, sure, here's your phone call. And then he's like, I hope you can make it. And then his mouth seals up uh-huh. and he can't talk. And and Keanu's reaction to his mouth sealing is crazy. Mm-hmm. And um I think it's pretty clearly a practical. Yeah, you can kind of tell him. that
1: it goes like back here.
0: And it looks awesome. Yeah. I mean, it's it CG's to get on him. Yeah. But, but then once it's on, you know, he... Yeah, it looks cool. It's great. And um, then they inject some sort of weird bug in his belly button. Yeah. And you're and just a like, tracker. ew, <laughs> yeah. what is that?
1: Gross but cool.
0: Yeah. And so...
1: And they send him on his way.
0: Send him on his way. He wakes up.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And then he gets grabbed by Trinity
1: and a couple other peep
0: and they then were, now we're in like body horror zone because they they remove the tracker from his belly
1: from a with a cool clunky device that's <laughs> cool and I want to I want to see it back yeah and what's cool is when the f- device was first shown it's like an like a practical object yeah. But it, FX-wise, changes into like that crawdad-looking feature thing.
0: Oh, yeah. Feature the tracker thing. you're talking about? Yeah. yeah. But then
1: when they, they take it out of them and they throw it out the window, it turns back into the practical thing. I know. Thing. It's very cool.
0: It's such a good... Just just the, the whole like visualization of the machines, because even the Sentinels could have looked really boring, but I think they look awesome.
1: What's this? Oh, the little... Uh, like the tentacle octopus, octopus, octopus things. things. Yeah, they're so cool. I love they're them. They're
0: so cool. And like in the... Um, the third movie, uh, there's just so much machine stuff that's uh-huh. in the real world, and I think it all looks so cool. Mm-hmm. And it's just it's just
1: people have a lot of issues with that out. part of it though, right?
0: Yeah. Uh yeah. but we'll get to
1: that. Um so but when he's in the car, so he's like distrustful of them now. He's like distrustful of everything. Oh, yeah, he
0: doesn't know what to believe. Yeah, at this yeah point. I
1: just it's a good point that they made that. That he's yeah. like, I don't know if i want to be in this car with you guys, but because obviously you're holding a gun to me. Right. Why would I trust you? exactly but um he I, I they i think they like stop the car i think she opens the door and it's kind of like you can get out if you want to get out yeah but if you want to have basically a purpose and do something with your life you can come with us yeah and he says okay
0: yeah and then he meets morpheus yeah and we have the red pill blue pill scene
1: one of the coolest scenes in the movie
0: Yes, which I I'm sure the trailer was the trailer, the trailer was probably like kind of framed around this scene. Yes, I, would I actually do remember this. You do okay. I
1: yeah. Um, but yeah, he the Morpheus get up looks so cool. I love the sunglasses. Yeah, and the long leather trench coat. Guys, there's so much leather in this movie. It's pretty ridiculous.
0: It's awesome. They're making a a, a Catwoman from Batman Returns look like nothing.
1: They they really are, <laughs> and I just you, it's hard to watch it and just not feel bad for most of the people in all the leather they're probably so hot and they're probably so chafed
0: well they're certainly hot
1: oh okay yeah (laughs) um but morpheus gives him the option of the red pill or the blue pill
0: yeah if he takes the red pill yeah he goes back to his normal life he wakes up and everything will be the same If he takes the blue pill
1: no it's the other one
0: no it's it's the red pill oh
1: okay sorry um
0: and then if he takes the blue pill, that watch this be something where one of our
1: I'm pretty listeners... sure it's take the red pill.
0: I don't think it is.
1: Can you look it up? Yes. So from this moment on, um, I noticed that there is a lot of moments where we see Neo's reflections and things throughout the movie. Most of the time in sunglasses, and it's a very obvious reflection too. And it's so cool. I loved how they did it. And um... <laughs> you're
0: right. He takes the red pill. Thank you. And then he. The blue pill brings him back. Which I'm makes sense because so the,
1: the blue pill is like calm and going back to sleep. Yeah. But um, yeah, so there's a lot of Neo's reflection from this moment on in the movie. Yes. And I, I'm just curious why other than no. like it's him facing himself. Oh, do you have that? I oh.
0: sort of have it. Okay. So um, the film's score was composed by Don Davis. And he, I'm
1: talking about a visual.
0: He noted that mirrors appear frequently in the film. Reflections of the blue and red pills are seen in Morpheus' glasses, neos, yeah, yeah, yada, 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 yada. Davis focused on this theme of reflections when, re- when creating his score, alternating between sections of the orchestra and attempting to incorporate contrapuntal ideas. We won't get into that, but that's a musical term. And Davis' score combines orchestral, choral, and synthesizer elements the balance between these elements varies depending on whether humans or machines are the dominant subject of a given scene. So cool. I think how that bro- breaks down, if if I'm remembering correctly, is like uh, mostly when they're in the Matrix, it's much more like techno driven. Mm-hmm. And when they're out of it, it's more orchestral. Mm-hmm. Um, So he, I know that that doesn't answer the question that you said about like what do the reflections mean. Well, but it's, it's interesting. It's
1: always it. when he's in the Matrix that I noticed it. Yeah. And maybe it is like a seeing himself and knowing that this isn't real, and then facing what's going on. Yeah, and facing himself because most of the movie he's, um, trying to have faith that he is the chosen one, especially after he's told that he's not. Right. It's interesting.
0: It is interesting. Um. So, you know, uh, Morpheus has this big old speech. And you don't it's remember just, a
1: lick of it, do you?
0: No, it's just it's so iconic. It's like, how do we talk about it? You uh-huh. know what I mean? It's like the leather chair is iconic. Like everything about the scene. Um, is this where he shows him the real world, or is that after he takes the pill?
1: That's it. huh. That's after.
0: That's after. Yeah, because wakes they, him up. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he takes the the.
1: Oh, you know what's interesting is the the vessel that they he wakes up in is red, and he took the red pill. Oh, is it really? Yeah.
0: I didn't notice that.
1: Yeah. Like the, it's like lit red.
0: So he wakes up in his goo pod. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And the juxtaposition of this like crazy sci fi world where there's lightning bolts flying everywhere and humans are being used as batteries compared to everything else we've seen in the movie is very drastic.
1: Yeah. What do you think of the design?
0: I love it. Mm -hmm. What do you think? I
1: love it too. It's great. And it's, it's very, um, tactile, this whole, the real world is, and I, it almost feels like it is more real than the Matrix. Yeah. Uh, which you had already mentioned, the Matrix is very, well, it, it looks very green for one. Yes. Um, which I guess isn't intentional.
0: Well, no, it is. It is. Okay. It's okay. just, yeah.
1: It's, it's, it's more green than they intended, potentially. Yeah. Doesn't matter. But, um. It, it just looks a lot cleaner in the matrix, and then in here in the real world, it's just very tactile and, mm-hmm. yeah, I feel like you can feel it.
0: Well, and it's it's crazy to see, you know, like Keanu wakes up, he has no hair on his body, mm-hmm. and he has all this stuff plugged into him, and like when it all shoots off, it's, it's gross. gross. The it design
1: kind- is so good.
0: Yeah, it, it's like. Kind of body horror yeah. like and it's it's all I mean it's all like practical looking stuff. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. And then he shoots down the poop tube and
1: Well that so that but a thing comes into him like a machine.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah and it, and it like they grabs him. control what?
1: Well what happened because it like grabs him and then it lets him go and just goes away.
0: Yeah, because the whole time the 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 crew on the Nebuchadnezzar are trying to locate his pod so they can, like, release him. Yeah. So I don't know if that means they control that robot or something or if they're just able to... Or it alerted
1: them to that one. I don't know. But, yeah, he goes down the poop tube.
0: He goes down the poop tube. Now, one thing I remember is... so so not only did I think this was a weird, like, BMX movie or whatever when I was a kid.
1: You're like, ew, there's, like, (laughs) like fluids in this.
0: Well, I just remember my sister borrowed it from a friend, I think, when she was in high school, and I would have been in middle school, and I walked in while this scene was happening.
1: Oh, weird. So I was like,
0: what in the world is this movie?
1: Yeah, but you still didn't watch it?
0: No, I didn't. Well, at the time, and I hope she doesn't refute this, I hope I don't get some text, but at the time she was like... Oh, this is so dumb, and she didn't even finish it, and she hated it hmm. at the time.
1: Hmm.
0: Now, Rebecca, feel free to call in,
1: but be nice about it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, but I mean, I don't think she likes this movie or these movies, but we'll see. She she might have changed that opinion. So we he wakes up in the pod. Um, we finally get to see Joey, our boy, Mister Pants. Yeah, who we love. Yeah. Um. And then, right away, they they plug him into the Matrix. They do? And they, they take that big old, like, spike thing, shove it up into his yeah. skull.
1: Oh, is that when him and Morpheus are in the White Room? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so pretty much for the next big chunk of this movie, it's all explaining to Neo what is going on. Yeah. And um, what his purpose is in all of it. And it is, like, a pretty weighty... Info dump. Yeah, but I think it's done really well. I think that it, it's that it's just written well, and the visuals are very very cool. Yeah, that it gets the job done.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, and I, I think I may have mixed up a couple of things because before that, when he wakes up, they they recover his body first. Like he's doing all those tests, and oh, they're getting his done. body back, doing and he.
1: The, the the needle thing acupuncture oh yeah that's yeah. so great the world building so good in this because he wakes up and I think it's, he has all the acupuncture needles in him and they're like what are you doing they're saying that they're rebuilding his muscles because yeah. he doesn't ha- he basically doesn't have any everything's never had to use use them yeah and then he says why do my eyes hurt and Morpheus says it's because you've never used them before Which... and it's like something about that like makes you almost emotional.
0: Well, I mean that's that's um that's like enlightenment or yeah. or or like a come to Jesus moment kind of thing where it's like I've never seen before. Yeah. You know?
1: Yeah, and it hurts. Like reality hurts.
0: Yeah. Like belief hurts. Right. It's hard. Yeah. Because you haven't seen the world that way. It's awesome. So um the year is twenty one ninety nine. They're on they're on the ship the Nebuchadnezzar, which of course Nebuchadnezzar, for those who don't know was a king of Babylon, I think. And in the Bible, Daniel goes to Nebuchadnezzar, who's plagued with these dreams about...
1: Yeah, yeah. Is this the writing on the wall?
0: Um, I believe it's the same king. Yes, writing on the wall. And then um, I'm sure Mike will let us know if we got that wrong. Rebecca,
1: you let us know your thing. Thing, Mike, you let us know your thing. <laughs> yeah.
0: But um, he, this is also... Oh, yeah, he has some other dreams... I can't remember what they were, though. I was getting them confused with Joseph dreams, but that's obviously different. But So Nebuchadnezzar is a king, and it deals with dreams. So that's just another fun Mm -hmm. thing Mm -hmm. that they're doing. And um, then they get to the construct, which is like their matrix world that they've built so that they can train um, Neo and all of that stuff. And it's pretty great because when they first plug into it, the only sound that you can hear are their voices. There mm-hmm. are no background sounds. There's n- so mm-hmm. it is like completely this blank space. It. And it's so cool. And that's when he explains just everything. Like you were saying, we, we marveled at our own intelligence and works. And so we created AI and then AI took over.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So along with all of this other, all these other themes and f- everything that this movie saying, it's also saying that like humanity has the potential one could argue maybe it already has done this where it's like we build our tower of Babylon Mm -hmm. and then um, we get scattered.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's interesting too, because he says that when he, when he shows Neo what the real world looks like and like the sky is just completely full of clouds and lightning Uh and he says, that's what we did. That's what we think. We think that we did that because when AI was created, they ran off off of solar power. Yeah. So the humans, uh, shrouded the, the sun but what they didn't know is they they deliver like humans harness enough energy to make them basically farmable, yeah, for AI, yeah,, that's cool.
0: It's awesome. I yeah. mean, this is all just crazy, crazy stuff.
1: and when he was tele- talking to him about that, I think that's when they showed like a baby like babies, yeah, like being grown, and then um they're they're fed dead, like when you die, you're liquefied. And you're fed to babies, and the the effects were really most of the effects in this movie really hold up, man.
0: Yeah, they look well, really good. I think that baby was practical. That baby looked way too. The real. baby
1: looked really good.
0: Yeah, I'm pretty sure that was like a puppet.
1: Wow, that's crazy.
0: Because it's just like it couldn't have looked that good. I know. Um, but yeah, and and even the. Even the actual effects of the movie, of course they've aged. I mean, the movie's 23 years old or whatever, but um, it, it it looks pretty dang good. Yeah, it does. Um, and I think there's just a lot of focus on the practical. Mm-hmm. I think the second movies visually age a little poorer because there's a lot more emphasis on the um, technological aspect. Oh, okay. But at the same time, we're in computer programs, so it's like...
1: Oh, yeah, I mean... whatever like
0: that works yeah and and one thing that's very cool that i that i was thinking of this time around is the very basis of this movie being um about how we construct worlds Mm -hmm. and we're within those worlds is the story of making a movie Mm -hmm. so one could read this as this this movie is a constructed world in itself. It's just like worlds upon worlds upon worlds. Mm-hmm. And this is what we, we do. I mean, this movie in itself is us plugging into the Matrix and distracting us from real life. Mm-hmm. In a way, one could argue. Yeah. And, I mean, that's cool. It's, it's almost... Is it,
1: though, Micah?
0: This movie almost works as a satire. Yeah. As well. Yeah. But, A question. little too
1: uplifting, though, for that. Yes, but
0: joke. Just kidding. But you know what I realized that we forgot to do is we didn't catch up people from Bill and Ted's bogus journey of Keanu and what he did. Okay. So let's do that really quick. Keanu Reeves is in Bill and Ted's, and I'm just hitting his highlights that I notice in between these times. Then he does Dracula. Yeah, uh,
1: he does. Gosh. S-
0: <laughs> speed. Which of course you have never is,
1: seen that movie. Have you seen it? I
0: haven't oh. seen that movie either. He,
1: it's referenced so often.
0: I know. I, I really need to watch it. Yeah. Um Is that
1: the Sandra Bullock is in that too? Yes, she is. Yeah, we need to we need to watch that.
0: I, I'm sure it's at the We just need library. to be part of the
1: conversation, you know.
0: Mm-hmm. So he's in that.
1: Is there a need for speed?
0: There is a need for speed. So he's in that. <laughs> And then he's in uh, Johnny Mnemonic, which is another famous one. I've
1: never seen... What is that? I don't know. I'm going to look it up.
0: Um, and then he's also in The Devil's Advocate, which is the Al Pacino movie, where Al Pacino yeah. is the devil, and he's like his... Ser- I think he's like his servant or something seen, like I've that. I've seen
1: some of that on TV. Um, how do you spell mnemonic?
0: M-N-E-M-O-N-I-C. So let's let's get that courier.
1: plot. A data courier literally carrying a data package inside his head must deliver it before he dies from the burden or is killed by the Yakuza. So. Well, oh, that sounds weird. What's. what's all Flungren in it.
0: Oh, okay. What's interesting about this, this filmography leading up to that is since Bill and Ted, he's, he's very much like doing action, fantasy, and sci fi. And sometimes Mm a combo of that. And this movie is almost like the precipice of all of those ideas. Mm -hmm. Marking like the next phase of his career. Mm -hmm. So that's why I just wanted to catch us up. Because we're studying Keanu Reeves. That's part of this whole thing. Um,
1: I think in Devil's Advocate. Wait, let me look that one up really quick. Okay. I think I'm thinking of another movie about something that happens in it. So, yeah. Okay. It's got Charlize.
0: Then we got, like, this, now we have the whole middle section of the movie where he's, like, learning about the Matrix, he's training, and he's there's, like, the awesome kung fu sequence with him mm-hmm. and Morpheus. Mm-hmm. And um, <laughs> so how do we want to tackle this?
1: Well, okay, so they plug Keanu... So Keanu is being plugged in to be, like, uploaded certain things, and Tank is like, let's get to the fun part. Yeah. We're going to upload jujitsu. So he upload now he just knows it by up Uh being uploaded to his brain and then he's he's giving him like all kung fu like all martial arts fighting styles and then um morpheus goes in to like test him and it's so fun because everyone's like morpheus and neo are fighting right now and everyone's freaking out
0: and they're like gathering around the computer screens and stuff
1: and so they're in a dojo and they're fighting and it just looks awesome. Anytime you have someone jumping too high or floating? Yeah. That that's pr- the that's worth the price of admission. Um <laughs> yeah. but uh so they're they're fighting but Morpheus keeps like beating him. Yes, and the whole him. time
0: he's he's pretty much stressing like you're thinking physically. Yeah. And like,
1: at the kind of the end of the first part of this fight, um he's like, "Why do you think you're out of breath right now?"
0: Oh yeah, that's such a great moment. And it's
1: crazy because Morpheus like like Neo is like out of breath, sweating. Morpheus is not sweating. He's not yeah. out of breath. It's just whatever. Because he he knows that this isn't real. Like even on a subconscious level. Yeah. He doesn't know it. He knows it's not real. While Neo still can't figure it out. Or or accept it, I guess, on yeah. that level. Um, and then he eventually pushes Neo to accept that. Uh huh. Um,
0: and so yeah, they're they're having this big long fight. It's great. We're, we're having such an influence from like Hong Kong cinema and stuff. And it's just fantastic. Like we said before, for the most part, it's really the actors doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, which helps a lot and and something that uh, I just I uh, it kind of sucks because I don't want to be this guy that's always talking about like things in the past, you know, like things being better back then, you know. But action just used to look so much better than mm-hmm. it does today. Mm-hmm. Um, the Bourne movies really destroyed action, and we still have not recovered from that. And it works in the Bourne movies, the quick cutting, the fast edits, because it serves the purpose of the story. Okay. But it's we're like 20 years past Bourne. Yeah. Like, we gotta evolve. Yeah. Because it's just great in this, all the fighting in this these movies, I mean, part of the reason why this still holds up today is you have cameras just sitting there wide shots yeah i mean it'd be interesting if someone like took took uh notes of like an average of how long the shots are held yeah because it's so much longer yeah and they're interesting angles and you
1: understand how the fight's going yeah simply yeah simply because of that because there is it patrick williams had a video about it
0: i someone don't know did. What he... no i think about...
1: it was the effects artists or the fx reacts and they were doing some action stuff and i think they showed a clip from the boys which i've never seen oh yeah and it was they just really stressed after watching the clip no one knows what's happening in the scene and the shot is like less than a second and it's a fight between two people and you have no idea what's happening
0: i think i feel like that was actually um I don't think it was the boys. I, it doesn't okay. really matter what it was, but yeah, it was like it was a, a TV thing. show. Yeah. Um,
1: but it was an, just an example of bad yeah. fight coordination.
0: And like the geography didn't work.
1: Yeah, and they they were doing certain moves that didn't make sense. Like they were unnecessary. Yeah. They just, I guess, looked cool.
0: Yeah, but they really don't. Yeah. But... Yeah, I just I just wish like there there's almost no shaky cam in this. Maybe there isn't
1: any. I, I can't think of any. Unless it's in the real world, which would kind of make sense if it was yeah. gonna be put anywhere. But I don't even think so.
0: I, I, I think that there you know, there's such an ease of use of just grabbing a gimbal, putting a camera on it, and just filming people. It's so it's so much easier. Yeah. But I mean, it would just be great if people would 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 be more deliberate with their uses of steady cam. Mm-hmm. I mean there are some directors like David Fincher's a great example where whenever he uses uses um a gimbal or Steadicam or whatever it's always like really drastic because he's always on the dolly mm-hmm. and he's always just panning the camera and dollying so when it happens you're like whoa this is intense mm-hmm. like like that scene in Gone Girl when he he's at his wife's uh can- like cere- ceremony the candlelight vigil
1: mm-hmm.
0: and then the whole, I think it's the only shot in the movie that that is steady Cam where, uh, he gets off and the reporters start asking him questions, and he rushes over to the car. Oh, okay. As they're like bombarding so him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But it's just it sticks out so much yeah. more, even if you didn't notice it, and it makes it feel so much more intense because the camera's been yeah. steady the whole time. That's a good movie.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Great use. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Matrix, dojo fight scene, awesome. I want to say the most first awesome. time, it, oh yeah, uh, most excellent, maybe. Uh, the first time I saw this, I think the the crew, I was a little like, man, they're cheesy and lame. Mm-hmm. They bring down the movie. Watching it this time, I'm like, oh, I love the crew, mm-hmm. and Tank is fun.
1: Tank is fun.
0: Tank rules. His brother rules. Mm-hmm. Even um, the 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 guy who. Creates the woman in the red dress. He's cool.
1: I want to say that his name's Mouth only because it feels like Corey... (laughs) It's like a Corey Feldman character. (laughs) But uh, I'll I'll look it up. We can keep going. Okay. I think his name's Mouse.
0: Mouse. He fits the description of Mouse for sure. But, I mean, that's a good part to bring up. There's this scene where... Mouse. Mouse. Nice. Where um, Neo is in the Matrix... And they're kind of introducing him to the concept of agents and how agents can morph into different people. And so Morpheus shows, like, he's like, did you see that woman in the red dress? And she, like, caught his attention, and then he turns around, and it's an agent.
1: Uh, Inception much, this part of the movie?
0: I know. Inception is, like, very indebted to the Matrix.
1: Absolutely. It's crazy, man.
0: Yeah. And a cool thing I saw about this scene is that they populated the the crowd with a ton of twins
1: oh seriously yeah and that's cool
0: yeah the production designer said you know she said I, I don't know that anyone's gonna notice but it's just exemplifying like this idea of like glitches in the matrix yeah she had the idea after reading about the scene with the cat uh-huh. and she was like "Ooh, let's do another scene so there's like and it, you know it was behind the scenes footage so you're seeing just a ton of twins whoa
1: what a crazy day to be on set <laughs> <laughs> it's like you're in a twilight zone episode yeah.
0: but um yeah so and, and there's great things you know like morpheus saying like stop roll the tape back what did you do wrong you mm-hmm. know and playing with time in that way it's, is but, always fun at
1: what part in all of the training does do they come out of the matrix and nia was like i want to go back
0: um Cause there's
1: a part where he's like i, I just want just put me back in there like i can't handle it because cause that's when they tell him you can't go back if you've been taken out
0: Oh, I don't remember when that is, but okay. maybe I have it in my notes. Okay. I'm not sure. But um, what's interesting is you you learn that if you die in the Matrix, you die in the real world. And we're seeing what I was, because I I kind of forgot the the plot of this, but we're seeing Trinity have, like, weird reactions that are different to everyone else as Neo is training. Mm-hmm. They're very subtle. I mean, Carrie Ann is really bringing it. But she just doesn't seem as like, I'm into this. And later, when you find out that the Oracle told her she would fall in love with the one. Mm-hmm. And so I think that the idea is she's like, I don't love this person. Like, this yeah, probably I mean, isn't many, the one. If, if, or, you,
1: if you were told that, how yeah. you would be suspicious of everyone. Especially, I mean, you know, like whoever Morpheus says, it's like, could this really be him, though? Because if right. it is, that means this.
0: Well, it's it's the idea that that the the oracle brings up when they visit her, and Keanu knocks over the vase. But before he knocks it over, she says, "Don't worry about the vase." Uh-huh. He turns, says, "What vase?" It breaks, and then and then she says, he he apologizes. She says, "I already told you, it's fine." And then she says, "What'll really bend your noodle later is bake your noodle." Is what she yeah. says. Is wondering if you would have knocked over the vase if I wouldn't have said anything. Yeah. And so, I think you can apply that too, like would she have fallen in love with yeah. Neo
1: Outside if she of didn't that.
0: know that she was gonna fall in love with Neo? yeah, cool movie, yeah, um and there's there's also this great scene where Joe, I don't know his character name, but we'll just call him Joe. Joe and Neo are looking at the Matrix, and Neo's like, "What do you see and cipher cipher. Cypher, you know, what do you see? And Cypher goes, I can, like, he doesn't see code anymore. He sees, like, pictures and Mm -hmm. images. Mm -hmm. And that, again, it's just, like, wonderful world building. Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. every scene is just rich with this stuff. And um, then we have one of the greatest food scenes in cinema history. This one's right up there with... I think it's Polly is his name, in, in prison in Goodfellas, slicing the garlic with a razor and cooking spaghetti. Yeah. Because.
1: They do prison right. <laughs> yeah, they joke.
0: do. Um, But Joey is eating the steak, and it is the best-looking steak I've ever seen.
1: It looks tender.
0: I mean, you, you're you not even a big beef head. But I,
1: I'm not a beef head.
0: But, I mean, come on.
1: I'm never asking, where's the beef? <laughs>
0: But um, in this scene, this is when we find out that Cypher wants to sell them out because...
1: He wants to go back. He want, yeah. Because in the ad to, to that, he says, I've just realized that ignorance is bliss. And he, he wants to come back uh, basically as a new person, and he wants to be really rich and successful and taken care of.
0: That's unbelievable,
1: yeah this is actually
0: I, I like the ideology of him and this whole sequence is one of my favorite aspects of the whole series I mean how many
1: people are like live that just in our reality, yeah, who are a certain way and live their lives a certain way, avoiding the hard parts of life or how or hard things that other people go through,
0: yeah it's very very he would rather be enslaved and be content than be free and yeah. be discontent and that's tempting yeah when i see that steak i can't deny that i i want that
1: the steak the steak's not real
0: but I, I i and that thing he says too where he says i know the steak isn't there and i know that none of this is real but i don't care it's still good and the way he's eating it too just Mm-hmm. Oh, that would have been a great day to be him mm-hmm. on set because he, he he that steak was cooked so perfectly. He probably messed up on a couple of takes so he could have more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then what's crazy is, is it's juxtaposed with the very next scene they're eating slop on yeah. the Nebuchadnezzar. Yeah. And it's just like it's basically proteins. Just,
1: yeah, it's. It, it, I liken it to the stuff on Snowpiercer. <laughs> like oh, it yeah. just it just gives them the minerals and vitamins they need. I mean, the Snowpiercer cockro- cockroaches, but
0: yeah, the piercer poop granola bars. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, yeah, that's that's when we find out about like the woman in the red dress a little bit more and how she. Yeah, was that designed. guy talks a
1: lot. What does he say?
0: Well, he he just talks about he's basically like a um, a film critic that's sitting there yeah. like he, he's like the uh, the Jamie what is his name from Scream I Jamie
1: Bill but Jamie um, Jamie something uh, Randy
0: Randy from Scream where he's kind of like okay here's the deal guys yeah. and and lays out some stuff but he's you know he's talking about like maybe thi- so many things on earth tasted like chicken. Because the machines weren't able to approximate what things really tasted like. Oh, yeah. So that's why so much things taste like chicken.
1: Yeah, because he's like, I love cornflakes. How yeah. do I know that's actually what they taste like?
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's just like pontificating on food. Yeah. And I just use pontificating. So Okay. I think if that's not still, a cue.
1: I'm still, this whole entire podcast recording, I've been looking upward at Micah because he's been on his high horse the whole time. <laughs>
0: But um, if that's not a cue for you to rate our podcast five stars on Apple, I don't know what it is. But um, now we have the Oracle visit. They go and they visit the Oracle.
1: Oh, thanks for saying it twice. Hmm? (laughs) You said, now we have the Oracle visit. Now they're going to go visit the Oracle.
0: Right. You're right.
1: (laughs) Um, so they go visit the Oracle. Uh-huh. um they he's taken well, this is
0: when they're visiting the Oracle, yeah, that's right, that's okay. right, that's right, that's
1: right. so they they're in the matrix. They go to just any skyscraper building full of apartments like anywhere else in the Matrix, and they're taken into this apartment, and there are a bunch of children in there doing things that are um beyond physics mm-hmm. like uh telekinesis stuff. Um, but it is like these children like have a special gift.
0: When they're finding out it, what their prophecy is, if they're the one. Yes. I believe that's what Morpheus says. Yeah.
1: And one of them is this kid is bending spoons. Yeah. And, uh, he gives Neo a spoon and says, don't actually thinking, think about bending the spoon.
0: There is no spoon.
1: Yeah. And once you accept that.
0: Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. And, um, oh, I have something on reflections. Okay. In the in the matrix. Um so some people interpret it as just the basic idea that there are worlds within worlds.
1: Cool. Yep.
0: So that's yep. all over the place. Worlds within worlds. Reflections are an aspect of that. So There you go. Um
1: Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's all I have to say about it.
1: By the way, this is our third recording of this one episode, and if my voice has sounded less and less peppy, like it's so peppy to begin with, it's because I'm very sick right now. Yeah. And I've I started a little bit sick upon second recording, full on sick. Now, third recording, very sick.
0: And as you're listening to this in the future, you might be like, oh, are you guys okay? Well, we recorded this on the week that our Scream 2 episode came out, so we're fine now. In real time, yeah, (laughs) or maybe we're not, and you probably would have heard about it, (laughs) yeah. Um, so they visit the Oracle, (laughs) and she's baking cookies. She, yeah, she
1: is this elderly woman, and it's
0: just not what you expect at all.
1: Not what you expect at all. Um, the actress is phenomenal, yeah, so good. Um,
0: and it's a bummer because she passes away in between this and the next movie. Yeah. So in the next movies, it's played by a different.
1: Who I remember actor. being really good too.
0: She's really good, but it's like it's just like it's like eighty five percent instead of a hundred. Oh, okay. She's yeah. just like slightly not as good. Yeah. Um, but it, but it's like a. Yeah, it's 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 just like if if we had gotten that actress at first, I don't think we would think that. Mm-hmm. But because sure. no, you yeah, know. I get that. So, yeah. anyway, go ahead.
1: Um. She is baking cookies. Yeah. Uh and she says, I would offer you to take a seat, but I know you're not gonna take it. And then she says the vase thing, and he breaks her vase. And then um she says something about like you're cuter than I thought you would be. Yeah. And then it kind of gets to the point where it's like, Well, you probably know what I'm gonna tell you, right? Yeah. And he's just waiting for her to say it. And she's like, You're not the one. Uh-huh. And why does she say that? Or, or, you know, what does I, she say beyond that?
0: Well, oh, oh, she says, she does say, um, you're not the one. You're waiting for something, maybe your next life or something. Yeah. Which is, tr- it's, it's one of those funny prophecies because it's like, he does have to die and then he becomes the one. So she actually, her prophecy is still fulfilled.
1: Okay, so yeah, I've always been a little confused, but not in like a way that I thought that the movie was, like it was like like a a mess bad mess or writing or, or anything. Yeah. No, I just, I think I always took it as... He can be the one if he chooses to accept it. So I guess at that in that moment where he chose to go back in to save Morpheus, that's the moment he became the one?
0: Well, y- I, yeah, I guess so. Okay. Um, that's how it
1: kind of reads to me.
0: Well, I just think if we take her prophecy very literally, I think he only becomes the one once he resurrects himself. Okay. but it, But it is this, what's cool about it, and it's exemplified again in the vase scene, is the prophecies including trinities they have this air of like inevitability and i think you know sometimes prophecies about the one like anakin skywalker and stuff like that like certain things in movies and um harry potter and stuff sometimes these prophecies are like oh great we're doing another the one prophecy great yeah,
1: yeah.
0: i think all those things i mentioned are kind of before it really was, like, in everything. But um, what I think is cool is this series plays with the idea of ine- inevitability and choice. Because you can sit here all day and you can argue about whether Neo actually made a choice to save Morpheus or if it was just inevitable. Yeah. Because kind of, again, at the end of the day, this series is also about, like, predestination. Yeah. And whether free will is even possible. And whether it exists or not. And I think the next movie kind of hammers... Well, the next two hammer home a lot of the stuff about, like, inevitability and, like, the hero's journey.
1: Uh Uh-huh.
0: And I think that's why I really like those movies, because they play with those ideas. But they do them in a very, like, very cerebral, crazy way that it makes sense that it's not as palatable to Mm -hmm. like the next two movies. And if... If you don't like them, that doesn't mean you're not smart, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I just think they're presented in a way that's kind of vastly different than this movie. Uh-huh. So it's harder to track. Yeah. Um, but um, we see. Okay. So then we have like the deja vu cat. And this is just a great idea. They're, they're getting away from um, the Oracle and they see this cat and then they see it exactly the same. They filmed it from two angles, which is cool. Yeah. Um, And Keanu goes, whoa,
1: deja vu. <laughs>
0: and they go, what did you say? Oh, I just had some deja vu. I saw that cat go mm-hmm. by twice. And they're like, oh, no, the agents are here.
1: Deja vu means there's a glitch in the system.
0: Yeah. which
1: And it's just like, oh, I'm not going to think about that too
0: much. <laughs> I know. I know. That's one of those things. Like, I-, I love in a good fantasy, especially fantasy that's based in our world in some aspect, when they add something that's like, oh, that makes me feel like this is possible. Yeah. And the deja vu is that idea where every time this part happens, it's like, I kind of don't want to think about that because that yeah. kind of freaks me out. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I, I should mention, too, I love the idea that that Morpheus doesn't want to hear what the Oracle had to say. Yeah. Because he's like, I believe that you're the one, and what happened between you two is between you two. It's not, it's not for me. Yeah. Like, he has, like, blind faith. Yeah, um,
1: and the Oracle told Morpheus that he would find the one.
0: Oh, that's right. Yeah, so that's another reason he feels justified and all that. Um, and then agents come into the building. We have another great action scene. They're like hiding in the walls. Morpheus yeah, pops out of the wall and fights cool. an agent.
1: And the the building has been like completely sealed off by the agents. Uh-huh. Like that's surrounded by bricks, so they can't get out.
0: Yeah, and the I I mean it's because Cipher sold them out, Mm -hmm. and then Cipher in the real world kills several of the people. Everyone except for our main.
1: Oh, he kills. Um, he shoots Tank, and then he kills Tank's brother. Yes, and then um, Morpheus is fighting Agent Smith. Really good fight scene. It hurts to watch. Um, and. Um <laughs> they the uh, everyone else is running out. I think they make their way out of the building but into somewhere else maybe. And um they find a phone. I think they're directed to a phone. Yeah. And um it's Cypher on the phone. And he says something about
0: this is the phone in the subway, right? No. No.
1: No, they're later. they're like in just some other building or room with a black phone. Oh, that's right. That's right. And I can't remember this guy's name, but he Cypher unplugs him.
0: Yeah. And, and then he, he kills him. Yeah.
1: Um and then he kills uh the other girl. Kills Sp-
0: Mouse. Kills. He, oh yeah, he does. Yeah.
1: He kills everyone besides Trinity and Neo. And he's about and to he, and he's going to kill Morpheus. Yeah. Um yeah.
0: And then he like he like jumps on um Morpheus. On Morpheus and and he jumps on um Trinity. Trinity. And and when he was doing the Trinity thing, it, it reminded me, probably because I'm ed- I was editing the Scream episode, Scream Four episode, but it reminded me of that scene of Rory Culkin at the end of Scream Four when he stabs um, Hayden, and he's like, he's like, now you notice me, and he yeah. kills her, and it's that idea of like you should have noticed me, mm-hmm. and and I think there's a lot of that, and you know uh cypher jumping on her and being like you know i always loved you and stuff but there's this air of like oh this is creepy dude yeah it's gross um
1: and then he jumps on morpheus and is like i mean he's talking to trinity on the phone but is like we've been following this man for no reason for so long yeah we have nothing to show for it yeah this is don't have don't you like have to ask yourself if not like none of this matters and we're not close to any of it yeah, and that's where he's at, and then, um, but before he can unplug, Morpheus Tank is not dead.
0: Well, sorry, real okay. quick, he he's about to unplug Neo.
1: Oh, sorry, and yeah. he
0: says he says, if Neo is the one, a miracle would have to happen yeah, yeah, to yeah. stop me yeah. because if he's the one, it's inevitable. Again, the inevitability, yeah. idea here, and then Tank is alive, and he shoots him. Thus, mm-hmm. a miracle happened, mm-hmm. and Tank does die. Right. He no. still dies?
1: No. Oh no.
0: No. Is he in the next movie? Or do you remember?
1: I don't remember, but he didn't die. Okay. Because they cool. all wake up and um uh Trinity sees him and he's like he's very wounded. Very yeah. badly wounded, and he just says, I'll be fine. And then he gets back and I think he like flies the Nebuchadnezzar or something.
0: Nebuchadnezzar? Yeah. The Nebuchadnezzar. Or
1: someone does, I don't know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, so then. But Morpheus is kept in the Matrix and he's captured by Agent Smith. Okay. And that's why they have to go back in. Yes. They're gonna, yes, yes. And and this is when but, they're but like
1: But this is when they're arguing because Yeah, exactly. To Morpheus, it's him sacrificing himself for the chosen one. Yeah. There's no question he, you know, it, it might even be, you know, taken as like it's dishonorable to try and prevent that because that's the choice he made. But Neo's like, no, I'm not allowing it. Like I, I'm not gonna let him do that. Yeah, uh, I'm. I'm gonna go save him, and Trinity's gonna go with him.
0: And I believe that's when she tells him about the prophecy. No, 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 nope. it's not. It's nope. not. And then they go into a hallway full of guns, and they say, "We're gonna need guns, a lot of guns." <laughs> so they get a lot of guns. I know that I don't sound anything oh, like. Oh, skipped over it. But
1: but what about the whoa thing from Bill and Ted?
0: Yes. So I I thought that in the Matrix they had included him going whoa because of Bill and Ted. Mm. But I've since done a little research and there have been somewhere around 113 times in movies that Keanu Reeves is in where he says, whoa. And it is a, like, not a Bill and Ted thing, it is a Keanu Reeves thing where in movies he says, whoa.
1: Oh, okay.
0: And people have latched onto it and it's to the point where I think in John Wick, I believe, and we'll cover it when we get there, but I think the director's, had they didn't have John Wick say it, but they had people reacting to like, "Oh, John Wick's back!" People going,
1: "Whoa!" Uh, so what? it's like it's it's an, it's
0: like a Wilhelm scream kind of thing, where it's like th- this yeah. just kind of random thing that Keanu is the whoa guy. righty. So, I mean, you can go to YouTube and watch like a supercut that has every whoa of his career.
1: That's crazy. So
0: <laughs> <laughs> whoa, um, Neil makes his decision, goes in. They get armed, and then we have the lobby fight scene. The lobby fight scene rips some serious ass, yeah, and we love it. Yeah. Um, And they have justified, even though at this scene you're kind of like, whoa. Um, But they have justified that you can kill humans here because they're plugged into the Matrix and they could turn into agents at some point. So they kind of...
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: It, it's sort of like... They do justify that, but also that's like the one thing in this movie where it's like, don't think about that too hard because they're about right. to murder a ton of security guards.
1: Right, yeah.
0: <laughs> Not to ruin the fun, though. Yeah. It's great.
1: They wear sunglasses a lot in this movie as well. Like, everyone's wearing sunglasses. I know I yeah. mentioned Morpheus's, but yeah. gosh, if anything dates this movie, it's the darn sunglasses. We love it. So 90s, early 2000s.
0: Yeah. It's – I remember seeing, you know, the posters and stuff earlier in my life and thinking, like, the sunglasses looked really, really cool. Of
1: course, when you were a kid.
0: But now it's like, ooh, yeah. Yeah. I think Morpheus's still look awesome, I, though. That's
1: the only one that works for me.
0: But it's it's the kind of thing where it's like I couldn't see these on anyone else. No. Except maybe, I guess, Yahya Abdul-Mateen II. Yeah.
1: Because
0: that's what we're going to get. Yeah. <laughs> um. And so while Morpheus is getting interrogated by Mr. or Agent Smith, we find out all this crazy stuff about the world that rules. Like like the machines when they first took over, they made a first matrix that everyone was happy, but people yeah. couldn't accept that. So they they made it at like the peak of civilization being 1999 and they make it kind of normal and leave people unsatisfied because humans can't accept contentment. Yeah. Which wrap that up in a bow, send it to someone and let them just think about that for a little bit of time. Yeah. That's a nuts one too. And then he talks about something which I've never tracked this before in the series. Um, But Mr. Smith talks about, I mean, agent Smith talks about, I'm having a weird like connection because of the, the old movie, Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. Okay. So I'm like crossing my wires there. Whenever like you
1: say it, I think of, is it Mr. S? Oh, Mr. F. F, that's yeah. what it is.
0: But, um, so he also talks about how he hates the stench of humans, and he just wants to get out of the Matrix. He hates the Matrix, and he hates being around humans. Yeah. Now, I've never tracked this before, And I think you probably forgot this because I've mentioned this like a week ago and you were like, what are you talking about? But at the end of Matrix Reloaded, um, Mr. Smith uploads into (laughs) Agent Smith uploads into a human body at the end of Matrix Revolutions. And it ends on this cliffhanger where he wakes up and then he's going to attempt to no in revolutions like kill everybody in, in the physical world. And I've never tracked that part of the reason why he's doing that is to not only like get rid of the humans, but he just wants out of the matrix. Yeah. And so that's pretty cool. And I think that that makes that weird twist in the second movie that sort of comes out of left field. Cause they, they, they don't really explain it. It just kind of happens. Oh, okay. I, um,
1: I don't remember like anything.
0: Yeah. Um, but, uh, I think it kind of fixes that for me, and makes it like, oh, that's pretty I, cool. Just
1: character-wise, it's very interesting, and it it just makes you really think about it because it's like he has these opinions, but he's a computer, but right. it is artificial right. intelligence, so they probably would have these opinions. Yeah, but how can he get out of this?
0: But it's it's like the the Ultron thing in uh, Age of Ultron where he's like I've seen what humanity can do. The only option is to get rid of humanity because uh-huh. it's so imperfect. Uh huh. Um. But I I we haven't we've kind of glossed over it. But Hugo Weaving is so incredible. Oh in this yeah. Movie. He also
1: looks so young. It's weird.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Which he's like the same age as he would have been in Lord of the Rings. But I guess he's playing an immortal elf, so he looks older yeah, in those. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And he just feels older. Yeah. Because he's representing like well, he's British, centuries, so. like thousands year old creature. Yeah. Um my joke was funnier. He's British? Yeah. That, that makes him seem older. Yeah. Like more refined. <laughs> yeah, that yeah, okay. <laughs> um but yeah, he, he just really feels like a machine. And the way he yeah. over enunciates words. Oh and yeah, stuff the, like
1: the, that. The, the the accent or the the way he's choosing to speak. Bravo, my good sir. Yeah. Bravo.
0: It's great. Um, so then, uh, we, you know, have helicopter fight scene, we have guns going off.
1: No, we don't have just a helicopter fight scene. Okay. Monica. Okay, well, first of all, they injected Morpheus with something that basically, once it's complete running through a system, it's going to give the, uh, the AI all they need. All the information yeah. they need about Nebuchadnezzar and the civilization. Blah, Nebuchadnezzar blah, blah, blah. again. Whatever. Okay. I'm sorry. It's and, just funny. Um. So he is uh incapacitated, uh-huh. and then Neo and Trinity get a helicopter, and they're busting him out. They shoot up the room. Yeah. And yeah. it looks so cool, and uh-huh. they it's just so great that it's like got the the indoor sprinklers going, so just yeah. the waters flying everywhere um and then the the bullets raining from the helicopter looks so cool like we had previously mentioned uh-huh. and then they get morpheus jumps out they get him but the helicopter's going down and oh you're you're talking about the yeah, shot right and, okay okay um morpheus and neo land on top of a building but trinity's still in the helicopter neo grabs the rope on the helicopter to save her and she yeah. grabs it too and he saves her and and there's the helicopter big, explodes. The helicopter explodes, and Trinity smashes into the no the building.
0: I'm just gonna insert that is a miniature. That's why. Oh,
1: that's cool. That's why that
0: helicopter. Because we when we were watching it, I was like, the helicopter crash looks amazing. Yeah, like there's still visual effects in it. Yeah, but it's it's a miniature. That's why it looks so freaking good.
1: Dang. That's now, cool. Continue. So we see Trinity's fine, but they um, spend the runtime on the movie to show us uh, that she flops into the building again, and <laughs> yeah. it is one of the fo- like when Mike and I, the first time I saw it, which is several years ago, we rewound it like so five many times. times to so watch so her when do you're it.
0: watching it, when the big explosion goes off and she's hanging on to the rope and swinging as it blows up behind her, it cuts back to her. And she I, and she I'm, just
1: like flops against it yeah and, and you just see her her leather butt
0: yeah and <laughs> and and it makes this sound they they even have the sound yeah. where it's like
1: yeah it's so (laughs) funny you can tell that the stump person maybe maybe it is carrie ann moss but i take it as it's a stump person Uh because the person is trying so hard to face the building
0: right as if
1: it is a stump person and we can't see her we aren't supposed (laughs) to see her face (laughs) it's just so it's like for how epic and complicated this movie is something had to been overlooked and it was that shot and you know what? i'm not upset about it i love it
0: it's it's so funny um So then, but actually before that, it doesn't really matter the placement, but there's the bullet time sequence. Mm -hmm. Now, this is when Neo flies backward on his knees and bullets fly over him. Oh,
1: yeah, 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 yeah.
0: Now, I would be remiss if I did not uh, talk about this shot, but strap in, Jordan. This was one of the ones I was waiting for. Maybe go get dinner started or go take a walk or something like that. Okay. I'll fall asleep Um, for a minute. So originally, they thought, the Wachowskis, what if we strap a rocket to a camera so that, and, it, and it'll shoot in really high frame rate and it'll go, Poof, you how know. Does as, that,
1: how do they not destroy the camera?
0: Well, that that was their idea, and everyone's like, no, we can't do that. That doesn't work. So what they did, and I'm just going to be reading this okay so the method used for creating these effects involved a technically expanded version of an old art photography technique known as time slice photography in which an array of cameras are placed around an object Mm -hmm. and triggered simultaneously each camera captures a still picture contributing one frame to the video sequence which creates the effect of virtual camera movement the illusion of a viewpoint moving around an object that appears frozen in time the bullet time effect is similar, but it's slightly more complicated, um, incorporating temporal motion so that rather than appearing totally frozen, the scene progresses in slow and variable motion. The camera's positions and exposures were pre-visualized using 3D, um, and instead of firing the cam- cameras simultaneously, the visual effects team fired the cameras fractions of a second after each other so that each camera could capture the action as it progressed, creating a super slow motion effect when the cameras oh, were so much math oh my gosh yeah um when the cameras were put together the resulting slow motion effect reached a frame frequency of 12000 per second as opposed to the normal 24 frames per second standard movie cameras were placed at the end of the array to pick up the normal speed action before and after because the camera circled the subject almost completely in most of the sequence computer technology was used to edit out the cameras that appeared in the background on the other side that makes sense?
1: Pretty much as much as it can.
0: Yeah, so the the just the 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 crazy thing about that is um you can look up behind the scenes and you just see this huge room that just has green screen everywhere and there's just this 360 of cameras. Wow. And then and then there's a wire and a fan blowing Keanu Reeves. Wow. <laughs> as he's like bent kneed.
1: That's that. so and cool. It, whoosh, yeah. You know. I love it, too, where right after that happens, Trinity's like, how did you do that? And he's like, what do you mean? He's like, you moved like they did. Yeah. And because then earlier, uh, much earlier in the movie, Morpheus says you can get to a point where you don't even have to dodge bullets. Like, uh-huh. you, yeah. And so it's like, oh, he achieved it. Or he right. says something like that to where it's like, he did it.
0: Yeah. Um. So then they're escaping, and they, they go get, to the subway.
1: Yep. Which... Felt very fever Vendetta to me. Yeah. Considering Hugo Weaving.
0: And it's a subway. Uh,
1: but I remember the, there's a staircase in it specifically. I think, isn't that the end of the movie?
0: It, I think it I've is. I've only seen
1: it once and it was a very long time ago. Yeah. I need to watch the movie again. Yeah. Um,
0: I got the perfect idea of what day to watch it on.
1: I just don't know what you're talking about when you say things like that. So <laughs> they, are, they go to this phone booth at the subway and there is a homeless man there too watching yeah. this happen yeah. and is very confused uh, but uh agent smith changes into him
0: uh-huh and then him and neo start fighting
1: yeah morpheus makes it out trinity makes it out yeah so it's just neo and, and then him. the
0: next part of it is him just trying to find a a a telephone to get out as yeah. he's fighting so they're fighting for a while they fight in the train station it's awesome they jump in the air are shooting guns at each other and it's another bullet time sequence And then he goes back to the apartment that Neo, I mean, Trinity was at at the very beginning of the movie because it's room 303. Wait, but doesn't someone get
1: hit by a train at one point?
0: Yeah. Agent Smith does. Okay. Um, I was just Because, Because
1: they're down on the tracks and the train's coming and Agent Smith is holding Neo and he's like, it's inevitable.
0: Yeah. So, and then he gets to the room and he gets killed by the agent. But then but Trinity like really killed. Yeah, yeah a he's lot of bullets killed. up in there, and you can see that he's died as you know, hooked up to the matrix. He died, and Trinity says, "You can't die because of this, you know, the prophecy." And I love you. And, and then the ki- music, true, Lo- true love's kiss. Oh yeah, it's kind of a reversal on Snow White too, in a way.
1: Just a fairy tale.
0: Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, Snow
1: White wasn't the, wasn't the only one to be kissed, Micah.
0: What? I thought she was the only. <laughs> But he wakes up, he stands up, and then he just takes... He, he goes ham. He cuts off the asses of the agents and hands it to him. So he hands <laughs> them their asses. <laughs> and he just goes berserk, and he's able to infect the agent and kill it.
1: Yeah. How?
0: He just like sticks his hand into the agent yeah, 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 and it yeah, like yeah. S- right, right, right. sends like a computer virus to destroy him yeah. basically because he's rewriting the matrix. He can now rewrite the matrix. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I, well, I'll save that for next week because I have some thoughts on Kay. that in regards to what they do later. Okay. But, um, so he does that and you know, the, uh, there's this Christ allegory throughout the movie and it's, so now he's resurrected uh, and he can conquer evil. Uh-huh. He does it and then he makes it out. He does. And then I think that's
1: it, right? Um, well then Then yeah, he flies I mean, away. Well, then it's like a big like the music swelling. Yeah. He's back in the Matrix doing what he needs to do, whatever that is. And he's it's a voiceover stuff. But it, but he's basically kind of saying the same things that were said at the beginning of the movie. Yeah. Um and and It feels th- like
0: he's maybe trying to wake up other humans. Yes,
1: that's that's what it feels like. Um, isn't that what he's doing? Yeah. And then he flies away like Superman, <laughs> Yeah, which is, I, I do, I would like to know why they did that.
0: Well, I think they're he just has control. I mean, I think at the time in theaters, you probably would have been like, whoa. Yeah. 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 But right, right now it's just kind of like, oh, okay, whatever yeah. he flies, but he flies a lot in the next movie. That's true. So. Um, they, it's not like they just leave that thread dangling. Don't have
1: an issue with him flying in general. It's just, it's it's a, it's a cheesy, weird shot. He's flying like Superman.
0: But I mean, I, uh, that's part of the idea too. You know, they're riffing on that a little bit too. Yeah. Um,
1: um, I gotta be done with this episode.
0: Okay. Well, it is, I, I don't, one of the Scooby-Doo episodes is on our Patreon. Yeah. Link in description. Um, and I have a Christmas show coming up, and I am gonna insert a commercial in here so we don't have to plug it. Great. Next week we're getting reloaded. We are. It's gonna be awesome. Whoa. Whoa.
1: 69! <laughs> <laughs>